Today, Jen Psaki was asked about Kyle Rittenhouse and whether or not Joe Biden would apologize for implying in a video that he was a white supremacist. And Jen Psaki was basically like, what do you mean? He took pictures of the Proud Boys, right? And all of a sudden, I see across Twitter people being like, well, that's securing a defamation lawsuit because it's not true. But, you know, the problem is white supremacist is an opinion. So we will see if Kyle actually ends up filing a defamation uh, lawsuit. Now, interestingly, in his interview with Tucker Carlson, he said the phrase actual malice, which is a legal phrase, which implies young Mr. Rittenhouse has been talking with some lawyers about what Mr. Biden, Mr. President Biden said. And uh, it seems entirely possible. So we'll, we'll definitely get into that. We also have the Rittenhouse precedent, which is triggering a bunch of left wing activists. They're freaking out. And the funny thing is, there's no real precedent. Self-defense has always been a privilege, an affirmative defense, if you, you know, kill somebody, heaven forbid, and now they're surprised. Why? Well, these rioters got away with it for too long. I mean, for nearly a decade, I've watched these extremists go through the streets, smashing and destroying and becoming emboldened. And finally, now they're actually worried that people are going to go out and defend their communities. And I got to be honest, I think there's a reasonable fear that people might go out. We don't want active conflict in that regard. And of course, we have the economy which is in very serious trouble. We're being told not to buy turkeys. We're also simultaneously being told there's no turkey shortage. There is a turkey shortage. And maybe try tofurkey instead. You know what? Uh, the St. Louis Fed says tofurkey's cheaper. Try the soy-based garbage instead. Now, I think Americans not being able to get turkey is going to be a big wake-up call for a lot of people about what's happening with the Biden government and the economy. And we've got one of the best people imaginable to actually talk to us about this. We've got Peter Navarro. You want to introduce yourself? Tim, my friend. Before I do that, let me just salute you. you. And uh, look, uh, as we talk about the news today, if, if there's a diaspora out there of, of folks like you um, who basically are speaking truth to power and the dissonance between what the American people are being fed on the MSNBCs and CNNs and Jen Psaki's of this world versus the reality that, that uh, folks like you are bringing uh, to the table are really important. And, and one of the ways I found myself here today, Tim, is through a, a friend, mutual friend, yes. Jack Pasoba, yes. right? right? I mean, he's, yeah. he's like doing, <laughs> doing really good things about, at human events. And one of the, I, one of the things that, you know, I listen to his, his, his podcast in the morning when I'm kind of working out a little bit in the, at the beginning of the day. And, and, you know, it's, you listen to Pasoba, it's like, we find out uh, things like the victims, right, are not Boy Scouts, right? Mm. right? We find out that the in the Rittenhouse case, that yeah, in the Rittenhouse case, we find out that uh, the the mayor, the DA, um, and the lead detective are are part of a family that seem to be uh, consciously trying to shape the trial in a way which is contrary to the facts. We find out that there's doctored videos that were doctored in a way to make Rittenhouse look like he would lose his self-defense thing. And so then you see, then you see Biden or Saki saying things like they're saying and we're at a point now, uh, and yeah, I've been around a while, got a few miles on me. We're at a point now I've never seen before. It's a total breakdown of the mainstream corporate fourth estate. There's, there's no truth to be had anymore. Uh, and the American people aren't buying a lot of that. They're, they're, if you look at the polling, the polling um, is is totally inconsistent with the narratives of the fake news. So that means oh, yeah. they're listening to the folks 
like Tim Pool or Jack Posobiec or a uh, place I live a lot at, uh, Steve Bannon's War Room as a, as a, yep. as a co-host. Um, and so I'm, I'm happy to be here with you tonight. Absolutely. Tim, man. and, uh, well, so, let's, let's well, jam. Well, yeah. who are you? Who am I? So, um, uh, first and foremost, since, since I, I want to plug the heck out of this thing, uh, I'm the author of this new book called In Trump Time. Yes. Um, the, the title itself is something that I coined, uh, during my service in the Trump administration. I was one of only three senior officials in the Trump administration who was with the president all the way from the 2016 campaign where uh, I was the top economic and trade advisor all the way to the end of what I like to refer to as his first term. Um, so so the in-Trump time phrase was became essentially the ethos and culture of the administration, something that came up early on in the iconic situation room sitting around with a bunch of these deep administrative state bureaucrats. I'm trying to, on behalf of the president, move a, a trade policy, and all I'm getting is pushback. And, and finally, it was like, no, 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 no. We're doing this in Trump time, which mm-hmm. is to say as soon as possible. And you come back tomorrow with a plan to get this done in a week, not in six months, and if that doesn't work for you, we'd be happy to send you out to Bethesda to count paper clips in a warehouse. <laughs> this is like, this is what we do. So, and that, that became, that became like our, and it really became important because I went from the, the, the China hawk in the administration, the guy who was a lot behind the, the steel and aluminum tariffs, the China tariffs. I ran the whole Buy American, Hire American program. I did like a dozen executive orders for the president, and then suddenly it flips in January of 2020, and I, I turned into like the quartermaster uh, for the pandemic, trying to figure out how to get enough PPE. And that's the subtitle of the In Trump Time book. It's uh, my journal of America's plague year. And what I did was, like, it was really interesting, Tim, when when I got to the White House. Uh, early on, the, the biggest shock to me, and it was truly a shock, um, was that I faced as much opposition inside the White House perimeter from th- officials who were trying to stop the president from doing the two transformational aspects of his agenda, which were was the secure borders and the fair trade policies. And so... Um, what I did was I began keeping a daily journal every night when I went home, no matter how tired I was. I did, I, I recorded the notes for the day and I did it not just because I thought I might be part of history, some small or large way, but, but, but to hold people accountable, uh, for, uh, what, what, what quickly became apparent their disloyalty to the president himself as well as to his agenda. So, I mean, that's we, who I am. I mean, I'm, I'm the guy who, who lasted the whole five years. Yeah. I'm the, I'm the, the guy who was in charge of trade manufacturing policy. Um, and, and what, regardless of any bad things people say about me in my service in the White House, um, they'll say I was the guy who got stuff done in Trump time. And so. Well, we got, a, we got a lot to talk about, especially yeah, with the economy and everything. So we're, we're, we're glad to have you, man. I'm here, brother. All right. We yeah. got loot. Oh, yeah. We got a lot brother to get into. Oh, yeah. The U.S. Federal Reserve is telling people to eat soy <laughs> to save money over turkeys. I mean, yeah. I expected some intervention, not that kind of intervention, but holy freaking cow. 
Welcome back, beautiful and amazing human beings. And as you know, I like being ahead of the times, and that's why today I'm wearing a shirt that says Ghislaine Maxwell did not bleep herself. If you want to know what that bleep is, you can go to thebestpoliticalshirts.com. Also, we're doing a Black Friday sale with the promo code LUKE. You can get up to 15% off, and we're doing it tonight at midnight because... Screw the corporations. We're going to beat them at their game. We're going to do it before anyone else. Tonight, midnight, Black Friday sale, uh, 15% off or more with promo code Luke, L-U-K-E. Hope you guys take advantage of that. And I will say uh, Tofurky, not that bad. Hey, hey, Ian. Ian. God, how delicious. Come on. Delicious, Come on, man. <laughs> Everyone's like, I knew it. I knew it. <laughs> the truth is, hey, if you need to, uh, you can pull that he, in if you want to leave he, it. He, he's yeah, going to do a, t- a, t- a t-shirt for the Untrump time book. Can you handle it? Uh, oh, maybe. Cool. We'll, yeah, we'll yeah, talk yeah, and I yeah, bet we can all right, all right, we'll work. Creative. I got a deal for you. <laughs> yeah, yeah. you can, and then this is so furky. This is like, this is like the Marie Antoinette of the Federal Reserve. I know, right? You can't eat turkey. Let that be so furky, right? <laughs> why not? Sure, why not? I am also here in the corner, and I just want to tell you, Peter, you can pull your mic up however this close way. you yeah, want. This way, yeah, Super flexible. Just Damn, baby. Here we go. Snow, <laughs> yeah. I'm very excited to have you because I really, really appreciate I kind of offend people because I'm like, I really appreciate the voice of the older generations because I want to know. Oh, I am this, offended. There we go. <laughs> I know. There you go. Sorry, I'm going to kick things out strong. But I really want to know if things yeah. have ever been this bad before because I feel like we look at it and we're like, this is insane. This is horrible. And I'm like... Is it really that bad? Is it really that bad? I guess bad? we'll get into that during this episode. So, you know, I went through yeah. the 50s. I went through the 60s, 70s, 80s, 90s. And no, Seen it's never been this bad. Okay, This great. is Wonderful. sui generis. This is, <laughs> great. This is uh, just, just, just a Even like Vietnam world. when they were like manipulating people into Vietnam, it was. No, this is, this is, um, that was all child's play compared to what's mm. going on now. Particularly from a macroeconomic standpoint, uh, the, the problems uh, that we are facing now, particularly with the uncertainty of, of, uh, of when the pandemic may or may not end. Now, it's interesting. It's like in this in Trump time book, I talk about how, um, I was the guy in, in early February. Think about this. I'm the guy in early February who would write a dozen memos that would jumpstart everything from the vaccine development to the therapeutics like people are taking now, the remdesivir, the monoclonal antibodies, things like that, testing, PPE, um, all of that that stuff. And um, These last few years have not been easy on our economy. And with tax season finally arriving, there will be millions of hardworking people and businesses that could struggle even more due to the IRS working against them and pocketing profits for themselves. America First Tax Group can help put an end to your worries. Just one phone call to 800-431-5684 and you'll be in touch with America First Tax Group, a full-service tax company that'll fight the IRS's predatory tactics and put you on the path to financial freedom. Their experts can help you or your business with any tax-related problems you may have, from dealing with your back taxes to granting you access to tax relief and much more. Don't wait. Get in touch with America First Tax Group today by calling 800-431-5684. That's 800-431-5684. Or visit AmericaFirstTaxGroup.com slash Tucker. Again, 800-431-5684 or AmericaFirstTaxGroup.com slash Tucker. One of the things I wrote in those early memos was that the vaccine um, would have to be supplemented by therapeutics, and the virus may well be around for a long time because of its ability to mutate. And that's that's uh, that's the concern 
we face now. So um, you, we, we, got, we got a lot more too. I mean, politics, China, yeah, the, the, the inflation and stuff like yep. that. Go yeah, we'll, we'll get into all that stuff. So make sure before we uh, before we get started, head over to TimCast.com, become yes. a member. We're going to have a members-only segment where we get into the nitty-gritty dark stuff that uh, I think this one's going to be pretty bold because we've already we've already talked about a lot of stuff that's like YouTube unfriendly. And so this is serious stuff having to do with, you know, White House policy and, you know, what's going on in China with certain labs. So you definitely want to be a member and not miss this one. It'll be up around 11 or so p.m. But don't forget to like this video, subscribe to this channel, share the show with your friends if you really like it. Let's jump into uh, the first story. I, I hate to, to jump right back into like the news because we are getting yeah, it going. Yeah, but let's let, let's do this because uh, this is what we had we had set up, and I think this is uh, this is important as for the modern cultural stuff. So we have this story from the Independent. I chose the Independent on purpose for the source of this story. Saki links Kyle Rittenhouse to Proud Boys after teenager hits out at Biden over white supremacist defamation. Secretary notes Rittenhouse's photo with right-wing group excluded from trial. Ah, interesting. Uh, the reason I chose The Independent is because this is the outlet that claimed Kyle Rittenhouse shot three black people. Yeah, I noticed that. Which is not true. So of all of the outlets that would like to make a comment on Kyle Rittenhouse and defamation, I thought this would be the funniest one to use. The Independent says that Peter Ducey asked whether or not Mr. Biden would ever apologize to Mr. Rittenhouse for suggesting online and on TV that he's a white supremacist. And Saki responded, the video was meant to show how Trump actively encouraged white supremacists and right-wing militia groups during his presidency. In her answer, she referred to a 2020 photo that showed Rittenhouse posing with a member of the Proud Boys. Biden, uh, Mr. Biden, she added, spoke to the verdict last week. He has obviously condemned the hatred and division and violence we've seen around the country committed by groups like the Proud Boys and groups that individual has posed in photos with. Deucey's question did not address the photo referenced by Seki, blah, blah, blah. I love it. I love yeah. it. I love this idea mm-hmm. that uh, how many how many conflicts are the Proud Boys involved in? You know, a decent amount. Mm-hmm. But have the Proud Boys ever gone out actively destroying neighborhoods, setting fires, firebombing buildings or anything like that? Um, I th- oh, wait, wait, wait. Enrique Tarrio pulled down a banner that said Black Lives Matter and they burned it in the street. Yep. So that was that. A multiracial uh, person, did yeah. that, by the way. And, and yeah. the organization is not a white supremacist organization. There's many people of color within it. And again, it's just absurd. The logic that they're using here. OK, let's use the same logic. Joe Biden took a picture with Putin. Biden is the president of Russia. Now, come on. That's ridiculous. And it's, he's, a, he's a Russian advocate. Exactly. Mm-hmm. And, and Kyle's words against the president yesterday on that Tucker Carlson interview were very Pointed, And I think he's preparing for something bigger here because he said he's accusing the president of using malice and defamation, no, 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 as no. you mentioned before. Actual malice. That's yeah. a legal phrase. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Exactly. Say, saying someone has malice, you know, in a public setting, like if you were like he was maliciously smearing me or that smear was, you know, his malice. I mean, that just basically means like they're mad at you. They don't like you. Actual malice is the legal is, is, is the standard is the legal standard by which you can sue a public figure. So here's what I think happened. I think. Rittenhouse is talking to his lawyers and he and and they said, you know, we believe what Biden said about you was actual malice or maybe something to that effect. And then Kyle was like, oh, yeah, in the colloquial (laughs) sense, and then says it to Tucker. But it sounds like he's being you know, he's having these discussions. Now, truth be told, you can call someone a white supremacist and it is not defamation. It's not. It's an opinion. Is it is it okay to give 
Saki a compliment? Okay, Cause, of course. Cause, of course. Yeah, because yeah. I, I, after four years in the White House, I gotta hand it to her. She lies. She's pretty much good. better <laughs> than anybody we had. And I proposed um, uh, uh, the the Jen Saki drinking game. By the way, oh boy, <laughs> which was every time she lied. Uh, you'd have to take a, a drink, a, a, a shot of sake, right? Perfect. And, I and, see what and, you're and, there. And, yeah. and, and uh, <laughs> you know, it'd, it'd be a short party because everybody would be passed out on the floor within 30 right, minutes yeah. of the press conference. But it's really, I mean, the, the, the thing that strikes me is that, um, again, you asked me kind of perspective from, from, from my age and things like that. It, it's, we've, we've abandoned all notion of any kind of truth. And now it's just simply a battle of spin and narratives. I mean, it's like you go, you you wake up in the morning and the, the, the CNN and NBC, NBC people are just lazy. They let the spin and narrative come out of the New York times and the Washington post or whatever bullet points, the political candidates might be sent in and then off they run with it. And then, you know, we've got folks on the other side of that, but I mean, it's just, just well, uh, NBC, they're, they're a lot worse than that. So during the trial, an MSNBC yeah. journalist was trying to get photographs oh, this of the jury. Yeah, I mean, yeah, this is another po- po- yeah. It's like crazy. Like, can you imagine that? Like, following an MSNBC have, reporter have, following <laughs> a juror to their home. No, 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 you, the, the, jury bus, never, the jury bus. Yes, all of them. You'll never see Morning Joe wax eloquent well, on well, that. Okay. So, well, so, it's like LeBron. Like these people are so hypocritical. Like LeBron, LeBron James LeBron. on China. Mm-hmm. Right. I mean, look, it's like he, LeBron James will be the first one to just just trash this country upside the head. I mean, it's oh, this is a terrible place to live. Right. Mm-hmm. But but then you got two million people in concentration camps in China. And it's like, eh, can't talk about that. Oh, no, no. Basketball player wear and like shoes or something. Yes. yes there was did. a Boston Celtics it, player that wore a shoe depicting LeBron uh, bending over to, yeah. of course, China <laughs> bowing down yeah. To uh, Winnie the Pooh, yeah. uh, as he was playing against LeBron James, <laughs> yeah, 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 who's yeah, also yeah, suspended yeah, yeah, yeah. for sucker punching well, uh, another player. My hero, recently. my hero in the NBA is uh, Enos Kanter. That's know him. This guy, yeah, that's the, him. The Turk, he's the one who wore those shoes. Yeah, and and so he's protesting now. And guess what? He's sitting on the bench rather than playing. Mm-hmm. You know, this yeah. this is not you know this is not cool. Yeah, well, there's well, another well, there's well, another well, NBA star here. When Colin Kaepernick protested and eventually gets booed and nobody wants to have him around, I'm like, you get political, you get into it, you know. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, and they should. I think we should have these debates. I think we we shouldn't be afraid of politicizing things. Kwame Brown, another former NBA star, came out and he said, surprisingly, Kyle Rittenhouse acted in quote self defense. Oh, wow. He goes on to Thank say that you. the case was politicized for people to make a lot of money promoting racism at the expense of a teenager, and uh, a lot of people were resonating with those points after, of course, watching the trial that was a live stream and presented a different point of view that people were denied if, of course, they were watching the corporate media which many of them didn't even put on the arguments that the defense was even making during this entire case which is crazy you know it's crazy uh so the episode i, I recorded a, a show with joe rogan last week it went up yesterday and i was uh, uh reading some comments and people were saying like you know i'm watching this for i'm listening for 45 minutes and i swear this guy's just making all this stuff up it's because they live in the world of CNN right. and MSNBC. Right, right, yeah. So when I sit there and say something like Kyle Rittenhouse didn't cross state lines with a gun. In fact, the DA, Binger, yeah. has charged yep. Dominic Black under the same statute. 
because of the straw purchase. And I don't think it's a straw purchase charge, but they're basically saying you provided a weapon to a minor. And then these people listen to that and they're like, that's not true. <laughs> Joy Reid yeah. told me he crossed, Colbert said he crossed state lines. I watch Colbert. He's lying, isn't he? And I keep saying, fact check me. Mm-hmm. Google this. Take yeah. five yeah. seconds. Just figure out we are telling you the truth. This, this, is the, this is the important thing I want to say about the Kyle Rittenhouse stuff. I hope everybody remembers when it came to this show, when it came to my, my morning show, the, the seven witnesses we had, we told you from the beginning it was self-defense. Everything that came out in the trial, maybe, maybe you're someone who only realized by watching the trial what was going on. Watch our show. You'll see we were never lying to you. We had the witnesses here tell their stories. Some of these same people have been on this show, went on to testify for the state and the defense in that trial. And sure enough, the jury said not guilty on all counts. We had Will Chamberlain here who said the gun possession was legal. The charge is bunk. Guess what? The judge said, actually, that's correct. Now, if you were watching CNN the whole time, you got punked. We were honest with you the whole time. Let me say one thing about CNN, too, because um, John Berman, New Day, just happened to hear the show in the morning uh, talking about the case, Tim. And what, what just sickened me was the tone in his voice signaling that he wanted this 17-year-old person convicted. That was He was reporting the, quote, news, which was wrong and contradictory to everything you just said. But at the same time, you could feel in his the way he was reporting it was like, oh, we, we've got to get this guy convicted. I mean, what, what, what? a 17-year-old kid yep. who was was not guilty and found not guilty by uh, by his peers – He's being condemned to life imprisonment by the tone of that voice. Yep. You Those see, people you, who listen to CNN, that they, they buy into that. You see Colbert? Colbert said, yeah. if that's not against the law, we should change the law. Yeah. What they're really saying is for, for the past decade, they have escalated their violence yeah. and their riots, and they've gotten away with it. And at this point, well, now people are starting to snap. And I don't think it's a good thing. People showing up and, you know— what happened in Kenosha, I don't think is good in any way. But people are are finally fed up. We've seen videos of people uh, getting into fistfights with Antifa, chasing them out. Well, now what's happening is these leftist extremists are shocked and angry that, oh, no, now we're dealing with resistance from people who don't want us burning down their local communities. Yeah. Now the courts have said if you attack someone and threaten great bodily harm, we are – there's no precedent. There's always been self-defense. Well, that offends the likes of Colbert. No, Colbert – when, when, when they were burning down buildings, when they were firebombing, you know, government facilities, when small towns yes. were getting looted and ransacked, mum. where, where was Colbert? Mum, mum, mum's the word. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Kamala Harris was fundraising for these people to bail them out. So when this ruling comes in, they say the judge is biased. SNL does a skit about it and they say, there's white supremacy, blah, blah, blah. They're just angry that regular people have had enough of their extremism. It's a battle of narratives. That's what, that's what we've become in this, uh, society the, the the media has has gone into their the, the traditional media has gone into their respective corners and it's a battle of opinion driven narratives not right. fact based narratives and i I'm, I'm, I'm listening to you actually you actually had the witnesses on that blows my mind that's Seven a beautiful thing it's a beautiful Seven. thing yeah, yeah. You, know, you know what i realized today when uh, I was reading, you know, people were commenting on Rogan's podcast. There's actually two different political compasses. 
So when we say like, you know, Luke is like right libertarian or whatever, how people want to describe it, and I'm like left-leaning libertarian, and I don't know where Ian is. He's in outer space. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> I think I'm a left-libertarian. Prob- pro- well, probably, but pro- you're probably more authoritarian than I am. Well, let, me test, let me test you guys, okay? Oh, boy. Because mm-hmm. I always had trouble with the libertarians in the administration. How do you guys feel about tariffs on China? And, uh, well, give me a little bit more detail, like, uh. So, so, if, okay, so, <clears throat> in the In Trump Time book, there's a great scene where I do go mano y mano with Chris Wallace on his Sunday show. Oh, right. Good for you. And it's like we're in each other's face and he goes, what, what's the problem with China? I go, and it just pops out of my head because it's Sunday, right? It's biblical. I go, the seven deadly sins, right? Oh. And so I go, okay, so here's the problem. <laughs> it's, it's even get all seven. It's always, it's always a chore, okay? <laughs> okay, you start with the intellectual property theft to, mm-hmm. to the tune of half a trillion dollars a year. You got forced technology transfer, which is if you want to go and do business in China, um, you got to hand over your technology, right? Totally unfair trade. You've got the, the constant cyber hacking, both of personal individuals for their credit card, whatever, but also businesses, right? Stealing their IP, another form. You've got what's called dumping, which is sending product below cost into markets as a way of pushing the, the domestic producers out and, and grabbing hold of those markets. You have China's state-owned enterprises. I'm up to five now, right? Yeah, See, these are the, these are the national champions they send out with the, with the full power of the state to go out and do battle and why, why it's China building our subway systems instead of American companies. Um, currency manipulation, yep. which is like China lowers the value of their currency, which makes their exports here cheaper and our, our exports to them more expensive so that our trade deficit goes up and then there's the seven uh is the killing of americans with deadly fentanyl and that's both a health crisis as well as an economic thing because a lot of the people who die from fentanyl um, are uh, working age manufacturing blue collar yeah. workers okay so um the the libertarian the traditional libertarian view is that, well, if China wants to sell us cheap goods, we should just benefit from them. And what I'm going is, no, 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 no. It's like, that's a form of economic aggression. If you take it as like a snapshot and you go into Walmart and stuff cheap, that's cool. Okay. It's, but if you play it like as a movie over time and all your jobs go offshore, and your wages are driven down and people go to the unemployment line and, and workers wind up committing suicide because they don't have jobs. That's a serious thing. So I get back. Picture this. You're driving on the open road, taking in the beautiful views this country offers. Then out of nowhere, you hear a noise and your car breaks down. While still frustrating, you feel protected because you have a plan through CarShield. CarShield has helped millions of drivers from having to pay back-breaking car repair costs. All you have to do is call before a breakdown. Plans can pay for expensive repairs on your out-of-warranty car, truck, or SUV. All for CarShield's low monthly rate that never goes up as long as you cover your car. With a plan through CarShield, you get protection on over 5,000 major parts and systems with just a visit to carshield.com carlson. I'm talking big money items like your transmission, engine, electronics, and so much more. CarShield is here to keep you moving forward and make car breakdowns and the repairs that follow just a tiny bump in the road. 
Go to carshield.com slash Carlson. Protect yourself from the unprecedented rise in costs for parts and repairs. Visit now to save 20%. Carshield.com slash Carlson. That's carshield.com slash Carlson. And in the, in, like in the In Trump Time book, I identify this, this set of what I call the Wall Street transactionalists, like Mnuchin at Treasury, Kudlow at the National Economic Council, Mulvaney, big libertarian. It's like I try to do like buy American policies or China tariffs, and these guys freak out. So I, I'll throw it back to you guys, libertarian. Do you do tariffs on China well, to protect yourself? Well, there's two different libertarians now. You've got yeah. the Mises Caucus and you've got the establishment, you know, old school type libertarians, and they disagree on a lot of things. Yeah. So I think uh, the Mises guys are like pro-borders, right? I th- yeah, very much so. I yeah. think so, yeah. yeah. So they're probably going to say we have to protect American workers in America, and then I think their view is more like within the area that we can protect, we have libertarian values and views on how things are run, Yeah. but we recognize, you know, outside of the borders – so I, I, I don't know if that's exactly their view, but I would say my view is, is, is similar to that. Like, I don't want China ripping off American workers using uh, economic coercion and warfare to try and destroy this country. So everything within the borders, I believe in, you know, we're very libertarian, individual liberties, individual rights, civil rights, et cetera. And then when it comes to international trade and stuff, we must protect the people in our, in our community. Here's an interesting stat for you folks. <clears throat> our trade deficit with China is roughly equivalent to the People's Liberation Army defense budget. Huh. So, and, and by the way, uh, it's Tuesday, and Friday is not just Friday. It is Black Friday. Mm-hmm. And that's when everybody's going to be going to the big box, baby, Walmart, Target, whatever. And a lot of that stuff they're going to buy uh, when they pick up that Made in China stuff is actually going to be uh, you know, plows, uh, plows into uh, swords, plowshares into swords, because that stuff is, uh, that money, our trade deficit, goes to fund all of their weapons. And I, what drives me nuts is, is you ask at the beginning who I am. It's like the way I met Donald Trump, and I talk about it in the Trump Time book because there was some, some confusion there. I wrote a trilogy of China books, right? 2006, The Coming China Wars. 2011, The Death by China, book and film. And then those were economic-based. And then 2015, Crouching Tiger, uh, which was the rise of the Chinese military. So, like, in 2015, I write this book and say, yeah, China's developing these hypersonic missiles that can kill us with nuclear weapons, right? Okay, so that's, like, six years ago. And so China, just a couple of weeks ago, they fly a hypersonic uh playing around in low orbit, which is capable of bristling with weapons, and everybody's go, wow, wow, that's surprising. Oh, my gosh. No, it's not. It's like in 2006, uh, I predicted uh, in the coming China wars that China would create a global pandemic because of the way they handled the viruses, and it was based on my research of how SARS-1 came about. My point here is that China is an existential threat. You got, you got Joe Biden say it's no, no, it's just simply a competitor. And part of what I've been trying to do, uh, and what President Trump was absolutely transformative about was to raise people's awareness, as they used to say in the sixties, about the, the threat of, of communist China, Chinese communist party coming after us. And they're coming after us. And, uh, there so, it is. So what, what, what are the tariffs do? How, how will that help? First? So the way tar- tariffs work, um, <clears throat> if you if you if you 
if if you have a co- country like China that is dumping product in or stealing or whatever, the tariffs uh, first and foremost offset the advantage that they've gotten from the unfair trade. So that's your first best, right? But what we were also trying to do with China um, was to get them to the bargaining table. So in some sense, the tariffs were a penalty for things like intellectual property theft or currency manipulation. So I th- it was fascinating. The, the, the first chapter of the book, I call it the Red Wedding chapter, uh, in, in homage to Game of Thrones, mm. but we're sitting, we're sitting there in the East Wing and the president's about to sign this, this skinny trade deal where we're supposed to deal with this economic, uh, uh, aggression. And, um, it's like I'm fighting the Wall Street transactionalists because all they were concerned is if China buys some more soybeans yeah. or whatever. They weren't focused on the core problem. But we had this strategy. It was called dragon in a pot. Like, think about this. It's like we knew that there would be resistance to tariffs initially among a certain segment of the public. But to get people to accept them, what we did, with Pre- this was brilliant, President Trump, he, he got China to enter into negotiations. Every time China did something in those negotiations which was unfair, we'd raise the tariffs. And that allowed us over time to steadily increase yeah. the tariffs to over $3 billion, $100 billion wow. of tariffs. And in a second term, I'll say this for the record, and I've talked many times with the president about this, we would have completely raised the tariffs on everything to 100% and began to do what I believe has to be done, which is decouple from yeah. communist China. Because every time China makes another dollar off the United States or Europe or whatever, um, it, it's able to fuel both its military machine, but also the, the war China's conducting, like through the so-called Belt and Road Initiative. I don't know if you guys have ever yeah, talked yeah, about yeah, that. Of but yeah, it's, it's, uh, you know, so it's basically the colonization of Africa, Latin America, Kazakhstan, and everything like that. I mean, they've, they've got a strategy, and the advantage they have over us as a democracy is that um, we change governments and officials every every four years, right? And these guys that I would uh, see, I sat um, in Osaka, the G20 across from Xi Jinping and his married band of apparatchiks. Same thing in Buenos Aires. Uh, many times I went to Beijing. I, these, my point here is that these guys across the table had been there for years and they will be there for years. Yeah. And I'll be gone. And, and, and instead now in, in Biden land, they've got a bunch of, uh, uh, appeasers and people who here, here's the way they do this, Tim. It's like, like there's money pots and honey pots. Okay, the honey pot is Eric Swalwell in yeah. California, right? <laughs> yes. Sleeping his way up and down the coast with a Chinese spy. Just, uh, I joked he had like STDs, like spy transmitted diseases, right? That's <laughs> that's the honey pot, right? But the money pots are are much more insidious because what China will do with government officials is like they'll give them like trips to Beijing or they'll put them in a think tank. They'll give them grants at universities. And these people become beholden to uh, the Chinese and then they wind up 
like Jake Sullivan is the national security advisor, right? I mean, it's, this is crazy yeah. stuff. Well, they're, well, those, well, they'll just do uh, business dealings with uh, Biden's sons. And, and, and I agree with your point yeah. when it comes to decoupling, especially from China's pharma industry, which the United States yeah. is heavily reliant yeah. on. But I think previously what you were describing was globalization instead of libertarianism. Because when we look at what China's doing, they're, they're, they're treating China like a conduit for a multinational corporate takeover of the world. And people are yeah. using China as a slave factory to produce the goods. But this was all started under Henry Kissinger, who yes. literally took manufacturing <laughs> jobs from oh. the United States, deindustrialized, I, 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 and then took all the jobs to China. Yeah. And now China now has taken a lot of workforce, a lot of economic opportunities from the American people. And obviously, if someone steals yeah. from you, that's not libertarianism there should be consequences and you should have a right to yeah. contract with who you want to contract with and we shouldn't be contracting with people who are stealing from us so that libertarian kind of idea still holds strong to me but because of the multinational corporations having so much power and influence buying out the u.s government we don't have libertarianism we don't even have capitalism we have socialism for the super rich which is orchestrated by elites like kissinger i take a really good short but nice yeah. shot at at Henry. Yes, he's 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 a, he's you know the dumbest one of the dumb smart guys you meet along the way who's made millions and millions and millions of dollars from that. The funny thing about these corporations, though, the funny thing about these corporations, and, and General Electric is the poster child for this. All of these American corporations who thought they could go over to China offshore, uh, all the jobs and things like that, wound up getting destroyed over there. They got stripped of their technology, and they wound up having competitors over there who were Chinese. And then if you look like GE, it's like it hit its peak. It was at its apex. Then the moment it started to go over to China, that was the end of that corporation. Now, I, I Again, I'm old enough to remember when GE was the most important and powerful corporation in the world today. It's like... China just took that. But so let's, let's let's talk about the uh, uh, the ramifications of the Biden administration's policies yeah. in one of the most ridiculous ways we can. Oh, yeah. From the St. Louis <laughs> Fed on Twitter, they say from the Fred blog, a Thanksgiving dinner serving of poultry costs a dollar forty-two. A soybean-based dinner serving with the same amount of calories costs sixty-six cents and provides almost twice <laughs> twice as much protein. Now they're not saying outright. Don't buy turkey, but we get what they're saying. Now, hold on. It would not be an establishment if the media did not jump in and join in as well. So Google search, don't buy turkeys. And what do you see? Well, here's from Mahoning Matters. There's no turkey shortage, but don't wait to buy. From the Des Moines Register, why is there a turkey shortage? Then from Consumer Reports, there is no turkey shortage, followed by PETA, who tells you not to eat turkey. So uh, the prices are going up. Yeah. We, we went to, uh, we got a fresh turkey, we went to a farm and we pre-ordered, like they actually raised a turkey from nice. June and got all big and then they, yeah. this past Sunday, uh, and they told us, you can't get them in most places. If you want a turkey, good luck. And now that's why the media is telling mm. people, hey, 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 don't get mad you're not having turkey for Thanksgiving. <laughs> you don't want turkey anyway, right? <laughs> hey, this soy stuff is cheaper and better for you. How about that? Now that, and people say to me, that's not Joe Biden's fault this is happening. And I've said over and over again, I've done long segments talking about why it is Joe Biden's fault, one of which is the inflation, gas prices, speculation. I can get into it. But let me ask you, because, you know, you're the, you're the, you're the economics guy. 
What what is it with with the Biden administration that's resulting in inflation, high gas prices, food shortages? What is it? Let me let me take you back to 2016 in the in the Trump campaign, and we had a mantra there uh, the way we were going to grow the economy, and it was simple: it was uh, tax cuts, not to benefit the corporations, but but simply to encourage them to bring jobs on shore. It was deregulation to lower the costs um, and make us more globally competitive. It was uh, energy independence and and cheap energy, which again is, makes us more competitive, puts more money in consumers' pockets to help them be able to buy more and increase their wages. And most of all, it was fair trade. It was it was stopping the the, the attacks, not just by China on us, but India, Europe, and everywhere else where we had the lowest tariffs in the world and everybody was taking advantage of us. Now, all of those, Tim, are what we call structural changes in the economy designed to increase growth and do it in a way where the the productivity would increase and therefore wage, real wages would rise and inflation would be held down. That's the That's the structural macroeconomic approach to prosperity. Now, if you think about what went before that and what has come after that, that answers your question. Before that, what 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 the Biden-Obama administration did for eight years was double, double the, the national debt from 10 to $20 trillion. Think about that. It went from $10 trillion to $20 trillion. That was pure, what we call in economics, pure Keynesian stimulus designed to stimulate the economy, but it didn't work. Because they didn't address the underlying structural changes. All we got was this, I don't know if you remember the phrase, the new normal. This was like slow growth and stagnant wages. Okay, so we come to Trump, things boom, and then Biden takes over. What has he done? He's reversed all four points of the Trump economic growth compass, right? He wants to raise taxes, right? He's slamming on more regulations. He's made just the worst mockery and ruin uh, of our energy policy and and now we're begging the Saudis uh, to pump oil uh, I'll, I'll try a little comedy's always hard but but here's a little comedy for you uh at at the football game tailgates now before the games they're eating caviar because it's cheaper than cooking hot dogs with propane, right? There's there's wing shortages. Yes, and, th- shortages and there's happen. wing shortages. And then the other the other thing is like my job at the White House is I talk about it in the Trump Time book was supply chains, right? If you have your manufacturing here, and your supply chains will stay here. Those are resilient. If you send your factories offshore, here's the thing: supply chains follow them, right? And therefore, you have fragile supply chains at best broken ones at worst. And so what's happening with with the Biden economy right now is uh, there's not enough attention being paid to making it here. Uh, the, the, like, I actually wrote the order for the Keystone Pipeline when we first got in. It was the coolest thing. Um, it was what it happened early, but it was cool. I it, I literally did this in 20 minutes. It's probably the fastest executive order ever written, right? But 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 Biden undid that quicker, right? He, the, stroke of the pen, the, and and so go ahead. The Keystone Pipeline, I think, is the best is the easiest way to explain to people the rise in prices. Mm. Yeah. So the first thing you'll get from like USA Today is they'll say Biden's policies are not causing gas and prices to increase and not causing inflation. 
And then when you, re- when, when, when it comes to the Keystone pipeline, they'll say the pipeline wasn't set to deliver oil for some time anyway. So shutting it down had no impact on the amount of energy we had. But what it did is that it signaled to many yeah, investors yeah. and many companies, yeah. the supply chain for oil is not going to meet capa- the, the, the requirements exactly. in the coming years, which, which means buy now because those prices are going up speculators then start buying up in fear that we won't have enough in the future. So the prices instantly start yep. spiking. Yep, yep, then yep. when gas prices start spiking, the cost of everything goes course, up right afterwards. Yeah. You got to drive to work. Well, I need more money for work, boss, because the gas is too expensive. You yeah. want to get corn shipped to the plant, the plant to make whatever you got to make in yeah. food. The truck's got to spend more for gas. You got to spend more on corn. And, and guess what? The, the frackers, we are like the Saudi Arabia of frackers, mm. Pennsylvania, whatever. North Dakota. The, the frackers, um, when these prices go up now, are not going to up production to 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 have that adjustment because they don't believe they'll be allowed to frack under right. the Biden regime. To your point uh, about signaling, and that that's a shrewd thing, Tim, because that's like one of the core uh, principles in economics about signaling theory. Somebody actually won the Nobel Prize back in in in, in talking about, it, and that's that's the problem we have and. It's it's just absurd. <laughs> this is this is nuts. I mean, we're sitting on on literally with a Saudi Arabia of natural gas and natural gas prices are are through the friggin' roof. That makes no yeah. sense. And watching Joe Biden beg not just to the Saudis but to the Russians. Uh, I mean, OPEC is basically okay. Here's a quiz. Let's see, see if you guys who get this right. Uh, so. It's probably in. So Biden has just released oil from the Strategic Petroleum Reserve. How much? How many days or I months know. of oil? Uh, Lydia, I know this one. Go, I know baby. This one because we use eighteen point nine billion barrels yeah. of gallon per day, right? Yeah, so yeah. it's going to last us like two and a half days. Yeah, days? yeah. Boom. Very, very yeah. You th- yeah. To okay. your point, signaling <laughs> theory. Yeah, that's really going to drive things well, the, down. The, and what you know what Saudi did as soon as we did that? What they all said it. Oh, of course they, they cut did. back production. Wow, <laughs> so they're strangling us out on purpose. Oh well, the Saudis. Like one of the things um, <laughs> I regret during the Trump administration, and this. is isn't in the Trump time book um, was how the Saudis screwed our frackers um, when they started flooding the market um, with with oil. Yeah. Um, and see, there's a the fracking thing. There's a there's a threshold, right, which is much relatively higher than than pumping from fields, right? The the, the traditional way. The Saudi. So so if you want to kill the frackers, you, all you do is have to keep the price of oil. Five bucks below that right. threshold. So and the so, Saudis did that. They've done that like two or three times. So real quick, for people who don't know, there's something called energy returned on energy invested. And fracking for a long time didn't make sense because the cost to actually frack wasn't worth what you'd get out of it. But when energy prices reached a certain threshold, all of a sudden the cost stays the same, but the energy is now more valuable. They start fracking. Yeah. All of a sudden, we find ourselves, as you mentioned, the Saudi Arabia fracking. A lot of left-wing activists really don't like it. They're, they really yeah. don't like it. But it ultimately helps us become energy independent. Yeah, and it, a lot of these arguments are being made. We need to stop domestic oil production to help the environment, when in reality, we're literally shipping it from Saudi Arabia. Yeah. Saudi Arabia yeah, is true. doing what's right for Saudi Arabia, as, of course, anyone would. That's why they're I, cutting I thought, their production. I thought, I thought according yeah. to Jen Psaki, yeah. Saudi Arabia had their own, like, cone 
where all the carbon stays over there, oh, right? Okay. Yes, that of right? course. That's, how ex- that's exactly how it works. <laughs> okay. It's, it's not we got to have a hit of soccer. But, but we got to yeah. understand what's happening. Yeah, yeah. Donald Trump also, I criticized him during his presidency because he was very close with the Saudis, whether with the weapons deal, whether with the geopolitics. They were hand-in-hand, hand, and I believed he deserved a lot of criticism for that, personally, myself. But CNN had a very interesting headline talking about this kind of energy crisis. Recently, they had a headline that said, quote, why Biden can't do much to ease gas prices. And a couple days ago, they had another article that said oil prices are finally falling thanks to China and Joe Biden. <laughs> Literally contradicting themselves, Whoa. just pushing for the narrative. They had another piece today that was talking about the problems with the inflation narrative. And they blamed everything on, on it's all OPEC's problem. It's all OPEC's fault. No, it's not. No, it's well, let, let, not. Let's get, let's get yeah. into the specifics on the strategic oil thing. We have this story from TimCast.com. Biden administration to use strategic petroleum reserve to lower gas prices. The White House will release 50 million barrels of crude oil. <laughs> this this is it's I, I don't think that regular uh, Americans who like lean Democrat understand signaling yeah. and how yeah. the, the actions of the, the administration not not the hard actions, but like what people feel and see based on what's happening will have an impact. So I'll give the example I just gave. When Biden says we're shutting down Keystone, well, of course, Keystone wasn't transporting oil. So oil supply is unchanged. But people are predicting for the future. If we have X growth, we're going to need X percent oil increase. And investing for the future. And investing or not for the future. investing for the future. Exactly. Yeah. So when Biden shuts down Keystone and I mean, bans fracking on certain lands, all of a sudden people say, whoa. We're not going to have enough supply in three years. We better buy it now. Everybody rushes. Everybody buys. Prices skyrocket. Then what does Biden do? Oh, no. Something I did is causing a spike in prices. Let's dip into the U.S. Strategic Petroleum Reserve, which is for what? Economic disasters and war and other Mm -hmm. crises and start pulling out 50 million barrels trying to get the prices down. This is another signal. It's going to be a, it's, it's an entropic failure. It's a downward spiral that's going to slowly spin more and more chaos. This move from Biden is going to cause more people to be like, we are in bad shape. Prices are probably going to go up because of the action of doing this. The, the, what, what you mentioned, the 50 million barrels of crude oil is what, two and a half days? Lydia got yeah, that right. We're so, gonna, yeah. we're, she got the quiz right. So Biden thinks putting out two and a half days worth of petroleum is yeah. going to help ease prices. <laughs> it's well, 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 well prices remember Biden also Biden Bidenomics is kind of interesting. It's like he he pushed he's pushing this latest three point five trillion dollar bill they want to pass, and he's saying that that that's going to take inflation down and pay for itself. Hmm. Now. In in what world would that possibly happen? To have like a, the the a massive dose of Keynesian spending, um, which is look we had a we had a two trillion dollar bill that we were trying to get passed uh, before the election uh, at a time when the economy uh, needed some help. But but here's the difference: uh, our focus was on bringing our manufacturing home. We were going to spend most of that money as a way of promoting buy American, hire American. And I think you uh, mentioned, Luke, uh, the medicines and things like yeah. that. I, there's a whole chapter in the In Trump Time book about this executive order I wrote on what's called essential medicines and medical countermeasures. Mm-hmm. And it was a buy American order to, to basically 
bring home all of that stuff we need. The, the pandemic was a wake-up call. To us. Yeah, majority of our medicines and uh, also um, it, it, things that you need for medical procedures yeah. are produced in China. China and and, yeah. and some of that stuff is in India. Like if you take like like medicines, uh, there's there's the fixed dosage form, which is the end product, which which, which you get. But but in between, there, there's the base chemicals and and then there's the intermediate. And the base stuff is like really pollution heavy um if you're not careful about it and and in, since india and china are not they dominate the market so we're kind of stuck so when the pandemic hit like india started yeah. it's like 80 countries 80 countries began rationing either medicines or machines or both um when that pandemic yeah. hit yeah, it's like it's like yeah it's kumbaya like let's United all States. reason together no 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 economic nationalism is what what happens uh, when 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 the stuff hits the fan yeah. the united states stole a plane correct me if i'm wrong from france that had ppp in it uh do you remember that that one i don't remember okay. but i do have a cool one i can tell you from the book this was like let's call it the italian swab job remember the movie italian Job with, job with Mark yeah. Wahlberg. Okay, so so I'm sitting um, I'm sitting in my office. Um, uh, it's like a, a Friday at late on a Friday afternoon, just working my butt off because the pandemic was like going crazy. I get a call from Health and Human Services, and it's like uh, we got a million swabs stuck in the Italian Alps because they're getting Northern Italy's just getting hit mm. with a pandemic. It's like, can you help? Right. So it's like, this was the cool part of the job. This was really cool. It's like, all right. So I call a, I call a sit room, the situation room. It's like the cool thing about the situation room is like literally you could track down anybody on the planet within five minutes, like if you wow. need to, right? Cool. It's like, Hey, any temple, like, get, <laughs> get his ass on the phone. <laughs> yes, sir. Yes, sir. Right. They'll find you. You, you might be playing your guitar or something. Don't want to talk to me, but they'll find you. Right. I know. So anyway, 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 so, so I, I I, I, I get the Pentagon to uh, agree to uh, send a plane from the factory, right? Um, and and so while it's in the air, uh, I realize that, well, we got to get the swabs to like six cities. So I call up the, the uh, CEO of FedEx, tracked him down through the sit room, Fred Smith, um, and say, hey, Fred, look, we, we got to get these swabs out. Can you can you uh, get get us some of your planes? He said, yeah, why don't you d- divert the plane to Memphis? We'll have six planes waiting for you there. Wow. So so it's like from from the time I got the call to the time we actually landed the swabs in the six different cities, were like 72 hours. <laughs> it was wow. it was pretty cool. But that's the kind of stuff stuff we were doing um in the middle of the pandemic one of the one of the other stories in the in trump time book is is worth sharing it's like the homicide detectives in new york city were being forced to go in and process uh people who were this awful people who who died of covid right mm-hmm. the the homicide because there wasn't enough frontline responders uh to do that right and so they're freaking out because they don't have enough uh, equipment. So, so the, the chief of police, um, emails the White House and I, I, I did Monahan, he, I pull it up and he goes, you know, help, SOS here. So I called, um, these two, two, two really cool folks, um, uh, at General, uh, Dynamics, um, and, and another company and, um, Phoebe Novakovic in particular and say, hey, 
uh, can you get me some Tyvek suits? See, these are the these are like the the you know the the kind of space age type suits, right? And within 15 hours of getting that email, we had 4,000 Tyvek suits coming from all around the country uh, from these two defense contractors. That's the that's the thing I was so proud of this country when you saw good corporations who would rise to the occasion. And then I had to deal with, with bad ones as well, like Pfizer or Honeywell, who just were in it for the money, Tim. I, I want to ask you about uh, uh, what Joe Biden was doing, a few key points that I've, I've brought up and, you know, with your expertise having worked in this, uh, worked in the White House and all this stuff. So I see Joe Biden, uh, more regulations, right? We see him say he wants, the, the Democrats in general, they want to raise wages, they want like, you know, higher minimum wage and all that stuff. And I'm, I'm all for people getting paid. I just don't believe that you can just tell people to do it. It happens because there's a big machine of economics, but they want to raise corporate taxes. They want to eliminate tariffs and, uh, and, and raise wages. These, these three things, uh, correct me if I'm wrong. You end up with a corporation in the United States who says, okay, we're just told by the Biden administration <clears throat> and the Democrats, they want our corporate taxes to go up 5%. So now we're going to lose X dollars per year here in the United States. They also are saying we have to pay more. So now we're going to lose X percent more in rising wages. But they're getting rid of the tariffs. Hell, let's move the factory to China. Huh. Then we'll pay people dirt. You got to pay people dirt. We're not going to. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. And so what, what Biden yeah. has done is he's incentivized these companies yeah. to leave and take American jobs. Yes. And now the funny thing is people say, what, what has Joe Biden done? It's not his fault. It's a pandemic. And I'm like, if you just watch, watch what he's doing, what he's doing yeah. and then we look at this thing with the oil, it's like when the ports got backed up, he announces, we're going to keep these ports up and running 24-7 or whatever. You extend the hours and allow people, which didn't address the actual problem, that they couldn't do anything with empty shipping containers. But of course, Biden comes out and says, I'm going to do a thing. And then these people are satisfied by it. They're like, oh, well, you know, Biden's doing stuff. And then nothing changes. Things continue to get worse. At a certain point, Biden's approval rating is in the gutter. I mean, by all, all almost every poll has got him in the 30s at this yeah. point. Yeah. Yeah. Independent voters, approval rate for independent voters, 24% on civics. <laughs> He's in the gutter because yeah. people are finally waking up and being like, yo, I think these Biden admin people are burning this country to the ground. You know, but he's happy every morning because he looks at the poll numbers <laughs> and Kamala's below him. Oh, that's right. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Hey, that's, uh, that's an adult <laughs> reference there. <laughs> yeah. Kamala oh, doesn't sorry. do it all the time. No, no, no. No, no, no. Sorry. No, no, no. No, no, no. Yes, yes, yes. To be clear, yes. I it somewhere else. Don't want to get the censors out there. That's the one who made that. Yeah, that was little. Oh, hey, 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 yeah, yeah. You can't, uh, can't fault me but, here. But, Tim, your point is so so well taken because, look, again, it's like confusing structural problems with, with, with this Keynesian kind of approach to things. It's like the, here's the only way wages, real wages go up. It's if people's productivity increases, right? Mm-hmm. If people's productivity increases, they, they, their real wages will go up. If you simply increase the minimum wage at a, at a time where um, inflation is, is going faster than any rise you can do, I mean, workers aren't going to be better off. But if you also, like, raise the corporate tax and you have less investment, as Tim, you point out, the jobs are going off to China and staying, staying here, the productivity goes yeah. down as well. So it's like, 
The thing is, yeah. but <laughs> he it's just don't understand yeah. basic economics. It's no, also no, no, massive no, no, no. money printing. Does understand. You yeah. said more sensible economic principles <laughs> in, in the last half hour uh, than than any of the Biden officials have said yeah. since I they th- got there. Right? I think they know. He, yeah. I think they definitely do because if you look at what's been happening, who's been benefiting from this? Mm-hmm. U.S. billionaires have gotten a sixty-two percent raise during the pandemic. There's a large transfer of wealth happening right now from the very poor to the super rich. Yeah. And who's benefiting? Who's calling the shots? Well, the, obviously, the billionaires are getting their way. Mom and pop shops were destroyed during the pandemic. While, of course, Walmart, Costco, Amazon, all those other big box stores were allowed to be open as we were told two weeks to slow the spread, which was ridiculous. We all sacrificed, but the other corporations got to do whatever they wanted to do. You want to know what's really amazing? I was reading this op-ed on the economy back in 2019 because the economy was 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 booming. It was huge. I mean, from my personal experience, I tell the story of when we were setting up our first studio. The lady at the furniture store said 2019 was the best year of my life. Good year. People yeah. were making money. Our mm-hmm. contractor who was doing work in the yard was like the best year I've had. So I'm reading this op-ed, and they said that all of these things, the leftists claim they wanted four-day work weeks, uh, higher wages, paid vacation, family leave – are happening thanks to capitalism and a good economy. The government need not force it. The machine is working. The policies are working. And then what happens? These leftists say, we demand these things. So when these things start happening, naturally, they vote for Joe Biden, who reverses all of the things that (laughs) Trump did and then end all of that really great stuff and make a terrible economy occur. So the, the, the thing is, if you have good economic policy, the economy starts working, starts, starts coming back. The machine starts churning. You get to lubricate the gears, get them going. And when you have bad policy, you put gum in the works. Things slow down and fall apart. These leftists seem to think, I know w- w- people should be paid more money. I know we'll force people to pay them more money as if that manifests money or economic value or labor value. It doesn't. Yeah. So when they came in with the hammer mm-hmm. to try and bash the system, which was already doing what they wanted, they broke it. Yeah. Let me uh, introduce a, a concept here, which I think would be useful to your viewers. Um, I call them service sector refugees. It's kind of at the heart of the pandemic shock that we're facing that's going to create stagflation, which is simultaneous inflation and slow growth or recession. And and if you think about what the pandemic has done, it's it's been like a neutron bomb to our major metropolitan areas. If you think about it, 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 hit, it hits like – the, the, the core foundation of major cities. It's like the mass transit, it's the entertainment districts, but most of all, it's the high-rise office buildings, right? And so we've gone from a world where in New York or Dallas or Chicago, the high-rise buildings were at 90% occupancy rate or higher. Now they're down like, like to Kamala's approval rating, like mm-hmm. 29%, 30%, stuff like that. Now think about this. It's like the white collar folks, to, to your point as to who's like winning in the pandemic economy, the white collar folks are sitting out in the, in the burbs, right? Commuting on their, on their little iPads or whatever they've got. They're living, they're living okay, right? Uh, although they might have to have tofu for, for turkey, but that's oh. another story. <laughs> but, but, but those people who used to be part of the eco structure of the cities, the janitors in the buildings, uh, the, the trucks outside, the, 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 the food trucks, the beauticians, this, that, and the other thing, they don't have anywhere to go. And moreover, they don't have the skills 
to transit. So we've got this weird thing, Tim, where you got like 10 million or so people unemployed and 10 million or so job openings. Mm -hmm. That is weird. And so I get back to the central tenets of the Trump administration, which is buy American, hire American. If we don't, if we don't build more of what we consume here, those service and train those, help train those people, those service sector refugees are simply uh, going to fade away into, into oblivion. Um, and by the way, I mean, the millennials, um, as, as Bannon loves to point out on the war room, uh, are, are turning into like modern day yeah. serfs. Like, you, you're not going to own a car. You're yeah. not going to own no. a home. No. But, you know, you can put that v- virtual reality thing on your head and yes. life looks pretty good there yes. for a while where you stone out on exactly. some Maui Wowie. I, I would love to ask you this <laughs> because in the beginning of Trump's presidency, he was kind of battling with the Federal Reserve. He was clashing heads with the Federal Reserve. Obviously, the Federal Reserve has been printing money out of thin air. That's why this, this kind of promotion of GMO Monsanto soybeans is absolutely ridiculous. They shouldn't be giving out nutritional advice. They should stop printing money out of thin air. But what was going on with the Trump administration with, of course, them just literally printing money during the pandemic and giving it to all the hedge funds, giving it to all the Wall Street bankers, giving them a huge bailout? Well, another shameless plug for in Trump time, but there is a great story about Jerome Powell in there, and it goes something like this. So... um, it comes time to appoint uh, a new Fed chairman. It was either going to be Janet Yellen, give her another term, or somebody else, right? And so Treasury Secretary Steve Mnuchin, who I uh, who I state flat out in the In Trump Time book, if he had never come to the administration, Donald Trump would still be president. Wow. This oh, guy wow. did so, – breaking news here, too. This guy did so much damage. But one of the things he did was he was the guy who recommended Jay Powell get appointed, right? And he did it under the assumption, because Steve's a control freak, he thought he can control Jay Powell. Now, he did, Jerome Powell did something that that is kind of contrary to what you just said, but I'll I'll come back to you being right. What what we were doing with our four points of that economic compass I described earlier is we were able to grow much more faster than the Biden-Obama regime and do so without inflation. Okay. The only reason why the Fed should raise interest rates or tighten the money supply is if there's any hint of inflation. What Jerome Powell did, that SOB, he ran contractionary monetary policy in the middle of the beautiful Trump boom under the false assumption that somehow there was going to be inflation. So in our time, on our watch, as I talk about it in the book, he was too contractionary. We could have hit four percent growth instead of three percent growth, and that's that's a that's a million job difference. Okay, so fast forward now, right? It's like like he is Biden's guy now. He's auditioning for the job. What does Biden want? Biden wants easy money to stimulate the economy. But what Powell is doing is contrary again to the facts in evidence, Tim. As he starts doing all the stuff you're talking about in, in terms of Biden undoing what Trump did. That's provoking all manner of inflation. You add to that the pandemic shocks. And by, and basically, you go, let me go back to the 70s. The 70s stagflation came about because of profligate fiscal policy. Check that box here with all the Congress is doing. What Arthur Burns did for Nixon 
in monetary policy as the chairman of the Fed was to print money and be too expansionary. That's exactly what Jay Powell's doing now. Check that box. And then what kicked off the stagflation was the cost push food and energy price shocks of the 70s, and we got the same thing here. And by the way, you mentioned this earlier, Tim, and you were absolutely right. If energy prices go up, guess what? Food prices go up because things like fertilizer, which are energy-driven, go up. And by the way, delivering the food and other things go up. And so we're, we're not Jay just- Powell, is he's a pox on this world, and the fact that we're going to see him for another term, uh, I mean, b- b- Trump w- couldn't wait to get rid of that guy. And we sat around scheming all the time uh, about how if we could take him out before his term was up. And whenever I wanted to troll that friggin' Mnuchin in the Oval, I'd look at the boss and say, boss, who was that who, who wanted Jay Powell at the Fed? <laughs> <laughs> so the, the, other, the other thing, too, yeah. it's not just inflation. It's shrinkflation where products get smaller. Mm. Oh, prices. yes. But now we actually yeah. we, we have this story, I mean, from TimCast.com. Yeah. And, it, and, it, and I got to tell you, you know, yeah. This is typically not something I think would be a big story, but look at this. General Mills to raise prices by 20%. 20%. That is massive. So you want to talk about your kids having cereal in the morning? You know what really, really grinds my gears? When I've been saying over and over again for the past several years, like you need to stand up for what you believe in now. You need to get out there. You need to advocate for, for what you what you want to see in this world. We Peaceful, persuasive, resourceful. And I get people saying, like, if I speak up at my job, then I'll lose my job. And you don't understand. I got kids to feed. Mm. Well, Tell me now. As the food shortages, yep. with the price increases, with the shrinkflation, <laughs> yeah. and they're gonna yeah. they're gonna raise the price. Your your rice checks, your Cheerios. The kid wakes up for a bowl of cereal, and now you're wondering why it's twenty percent more. But not only that, the boxes are smaller, and you're buying twice as often. Yeah, and the food banks are reporting that they're even having a hard time feeding people because of the inflation, because of the supply chain yeah. shortages. So, so Peter, I was going to ask you. Uh, but, how but bad I'm does always this get? I'm always yeah. looking for the, yeah. for the silver lining here. It's like uh, parents will need to buy fewer diapers because they won't be able to feed. Yeah. And by the way, wait, 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 there's one more point there. You don't got to worry about uh, buying new clothes for your kids when they when when they get bigger. Yeah, they're they're not going to grow as they don't eat. Thank you very much. We do have an obesity crisis. That's right. But Peter, how how bad does this get? Where where does this? Oh, oh, this is this is what I'm concerned about. And again, I get back to Lydia's question and point. It's like. Got a lot of miles on this bod. I have never seen it as bad. This is like the 70s on steroids. Ugh. And so so the way the 70s evolved, that literally, as we came in from, it started with Lyndon Johnson in 68 with the refusal of choosing between the Vietnam War expenditures and the Great Society. Okay, there's this concept in economics called guns versus butter. It's like you have to choose one or the other in some combination in order to maintain the budget. It's like LBJ was, nah, we're not going to do it. We're going to do both, right? So that's what, that was the fiscal stimulus that began the whole, whole process. And, and then, so it, it, it's, this whole stagflation didn't end till 1981. And the way it ended was, was brutal. Um, at, in 1980, when Reagan ran against Carter, there was this thing called the misery index. It was inflation rate plus unemployment, and it was 20 percent 
by the time that election rolled around, mortgage rates were like 13 and 15 percent. I mean, this is like stuff that's not in your the people who are viewing and listening to the show can't even imagine this because they've been they grew. They've grown up in an era of like two, three, four percent mortgage rates. No, 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 no. This like they were like 12 and 15 percent. No, right? my, my parents tell me this. Yes. They're like when you were a little kid, it was like 12 percent. Yeah, it's crazy stuff. So the way the way it was fixed uh, and this is instructive. It was, it was in two ways. Paul Volcker came along um, as Federal Reserve Chairman. Never confuse Paul Volcker with Jerome Powell. And he induced the mother of all recessions to wring inflationary expectations out of the economy. And the only reason why that worked is because Reagan came along and did all the structural kind of changes that we've been talking about, guys. And and that basically reset the economy and, and and then we went off on our 80s boom but 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 <laughs> that'll be a hard trick to redo um because it requires both a smart fed chairman and somebody as president who understands kind of the structural changes this could go on for a decade and i mean we're at 28 trillion i think is the deficit right now he's looking at printing three trillion more to put it to 31 how do you with the amount of Having to pay uh, interest on that, I don't see it ever being able to come back from this at this point. Whereas, like, other than like, um, I don't know, economic yeah. uh, default or something, like, we'll default on the U.S. dollar and create a new currency or something. This is like Pelosi's uh, hail mary uh, and big go brand into the world here, because mm-hmm. if she gets away with this latest bill, this last piece of the multi-trillion-dollar. Uh, pipe dream, progressive, socialist, Marxist cut a puzzle. Cause there's nothing in that bill that will strengthen the economy, to be clear. It's mostly a, a redistribution and it's a subsidy to China cause they're all the ones that are going to be providing the electric vehicle stuff. Okay. Let's be clear. If they are able to get this one across the finish line, um, you're absolutely right that this, this will be with us and, and our children and our grandchildren forever. So there's a lot lot at stake here and it's like i think right now uh, we're virtually assured um of the republicans taking back the house but it may be too late but the other thing i'll say about that is like right now i'm a trump guy right i'm a maga guy i'm a deplorables guy right but there is a there's a battle in the republican party itself uh between the the rhino corporatist party of davos republicans Represented by Mitch McConnell, Kevin McCarthy, Liz Cheney, Ben Sass, Pat, T- those folks, Mitt Romney versus the Trumpers who really want things like secure borders, fair trade, buy American manufacturing here. And if we lose that battle, if we, if we win the house in, in, uh, 22, and McConnell and McCarthy are still leaders, we've lost the house. Well, so let me, let me, let me ask you, um, you know, you say you're a MAGA guy, deplorable guy, and all that stuff. And uh, a lot of people are saying there's going to be a red tsunami because at this point, I think a lot of regular Americans are ready to vote for a ham sandwich over the Democrats. But like you said, if we don't if, if we don't primary a lot of these establishment, yes. you know, uh, you. neocon types, then it's not it's all going to be for nothing. But there is the big question. You mentioned Carter and Reagan, the misery index. Reagan came in and didn't he, against Carter wasn't like a major blowout election. Like he's just swept ridiculously well, I believe, right? I think that was yeah. that election. Wasn't that uh, 84? 
Was it? Uh, no, no, that was 80. No, no. Remember 80? Okay. It was 80? 80, yeah. Well, so, so, uh, so Carter, uh, Carter was in at 76. Mm-hmm. It was kind of interesting. Well, look, look, I want yeah, to ask you, um, yeah. based on what you saw then and what's happening now, first, is Trump running? I, we've all heard that he is, but you know, I'm, I'm interested in what you think. And do you think Trump would landslide? I mean, that figuratively, internet. <laughs> like, will he have a, a? They take it so literally. Like, dude said Trump landslide. It's a, it's a, it's a figurative statement about yeah. Trump winning very, very well. Do you think Trump, uh, if he does, do you think he's going to run? And if he does, do you think he'll just smash through the election? Um, look, I, I think that in 22 we have uh, the prospect of picking up. Uh, the largest amount of seats, the largest swing ever, uh, that it'll make the, uh, the Gingrich revolution, uh, look quaint, uh, by comparison. But the one thing I know in politics is that, um, it, the short time frames. Mm-hmm. I mean, 2024 is, is a long, Eternity. long time. Wait, everybody around here, if it's disabled, are you, you assuming that it's going to be Biden or Kamala? I mean, what about Gavin Newsom? They might even they might even dust off Cuomo or or who knows what uh, you know like Matt McConaughey <laughs> right might might uh, might run or mm-hmm. you know my the one I think that okay let me make a bold prediction here I'll be back here in 2024 uh, Michelle Obama. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Been yeah. that's what yeah. I've been saying. I think my money's yeah. on Buttigieg. I thought they'd do Michelle Obama in 2020. Because I can't um, believe they tried Biden. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Well, <laughs> oh, they got it. No, but let's all remember how Biden got there because um, this was. Uh, I take it you know, you're more of a Bernie bro. Not than, really. No. <laughs> how dare you? You I just like insulted Peter. You just That's insulted me, me oh, more than you could ever imagine. You hurt my feelings. <laughs> you look I like will a never Bernie rec- bro. You should have wore, wore the Gadsden flag. I will never were recover you, from this. Were you, this a, were you a Trump guy in 2016? I, I don't. I don't uh, hang yeah, on. Yeah, now, come on. In 2016, I don't. I don't like any of them. I don't like politicians. I. I. I mean, Ron Paul. Uh, I, I'm were, more, were you involved politically in 2016? Um, I don't like politics. Uh, I, uh, yeah. Come on, no, 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 were no, no, you involved? No. He'd vote for Ron Paul. That's who he'd vote. Yeah. If anyone. Yeah. So if you get a Trump and a Hillary, Luke's going to still vote for Ron Paul. <laughs> Ron Paul. Yeah. My, my, or man bear. <laughs> my point is simply that Biden. Biden was an accident of history, engineered yeah. by the by Wall Street and the big corporations via um, uh, Claiborne in South Carolina. Let us remember. That Sanders was the front runner going into South Carolina, mm-hmm. yeah. and he he said something stupid, uh, and uh, they were able to jujitsu uh, Biden, and he became the guy. I mean, I've always well, thought that that they want him in there just for a year, and then they put um, Kamala in, thinking that Kamala would perform better than she has. But at this point, like, this is why the Michelle Obama thing, it's like, it's like, they gotta run somebody I, like that. And, or and, Oprah or, you know, somebody. Oh yeah, that's and I think, I think if Michelle Obama runs against Trump, it will be a Michelle Obama landslide. Yes. Figurative landslide. Oh, speaking yeah. of, Reagan beat, uh, Carter 50% to 41%. No, but what were the, what was the electoral vote? It was a uh, 489 to 49. Wow. 489 to 49. Yes. Right. Yeah. 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 It was like a major, major swing. Yeah. 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 I was shorting cardigan sweaters going into the yeah. election. <laughs> and Michelle, so but, but this, you brought up a good point with <laughs> Michelle Obama because I've been talking about this for a long time. This was essentially uh, ensure that Barack Obama could have control of the White House 
for more than just the eight years that he yeah. was there in office, uh, four years with, of course, Biden, because Biden, of course, talks to Obama. Biden is helping him with this presidency. He would, of course, have eight years probably with Michelle Obama. So we're talking about an indefinite policy making by Barack yeah, Obama, which I, I think would be absolutely devastating the, for the country. The thing that that, uh, that, that we've got to solve in this country is the control of the media, right? And because uh, that's how they, they, they maintain power. And this is, again, why I get back to loving what you do, Tim, and, and this di- diaspora of um, – libertarian conservative like truth to power kinds of folks out there who are dealing in in facts evidence data receipts um signal not noise um it's just got to keep growing and i think that you're seeing like for example with fox news right it's it's a cable everybody's plugged into cable and the demographic is is way old right and as that as that demographic fades away literally um this will be your time because pe- people are no longer doing cable anymore. They're, they're, they have all these different ways of going it. But that'll be, I mean, if Michelle yeah. Obama runs in 2024, um, a lot, whether she wins is going to be a lot determined by how powerful CNN, MSNBC, the New York Times, the Washington Post, um, and all, all those folks are. Google, yeah. Google and Facebook. Yeah, let's not forget that. Twitter. Yeah. I mean, in, uh, in 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 the in Trump time book, I I, I go deeply into uh, the the yeah. the power of the social media oligarchs yeah. in Silicon and Valley and how how it's just such a corrosive um, element. And I I remember like there was a tactical glare. This is this isn't in the in Trump time book, but it's 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 worth talking about. It's like um, <clears throat> Zuckerberg came to the White House on, on a couple of occasions, and it was Kushner. Who uh, backed uh, policy up from cracking down on uh, on on the on the big tech the, on, on the big tech? Yeah, yeah, yeah. We we, we were we were we, there was yep. like a wing of us in the White House uh, who wanted to do that, and um, as yep. as so often it was uh, on things like China or social media, Jared in his naivete thought he could romance Zuckerberg, and meanwhile. Zuckerberg, I don't, yeah. I don't know if you know this stat, but he spent over half a billion dollars uh, in the six battleground states yep. alone, which was more than what the Trump campaign spent. Yeah. So these wow. guys, you know, it's like when you it's kind of like when on Black Friday, when you buy made in China, you're you're basically supporting their military. Um, when you go on Facebook or whatever and participate in all that, um, you do enhance the power of Zuckerberg, uh, of, of, of Dorsey at Twitter and Pichai at Google. And, um, that would be fine if, if Section 230 were not in place and, and, and they couldn't use their, their, uh, mechanisms. Yeah. Now, now Kushner made a lot of very bad policies, especially when it came to Saudi Arabia negotiating for them to get a wep- better weapons deal. But I kind of wanted to ask you, since you were there on the ground, um, what, do you think anyone in the White House legitimately believed in the two weeks to slow the spread since I think we're on day 659 of, of that, uh, yeah. right now? And, and do you guys have any regrets about warp speed? Uh, okay, let's, let's unpack that a little bit. Let's, let's talk about the lockdown. Let's, uh, let's remember where we were, uh, end of January, uh, there were three people in the White House who were taking the pandemic seriously. 
Uh, talk about this in the In Trump Time book. It's it's was me, the president, and Robert O'Brien, the national security advisor, along with his deputy Matt Potcher. Okay, and if you look at kind of the history of this, it wouldn't be till March. It wouldn't be till March that people began to take it seriously. Both you know Pelosi, De Blasio, Cuomo, those folks. It's like hey, everything's fine. Fauci, everything's fine. Um, and within the White House itself, you know, I was fighting Mnuchin, I was fighting Mark Short, uh, 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 Mulvaney, the chief of staff, right? So, so um, when it hit, it's like, I remember Kudlow, it's like, this is basic math, right? It's like Larry goes into a staff meeting, this again is in the intro my book, he goes, we got this under control, everything's minimal, and I'm, I'm there's only a few cases, and I'm going... Okay, so so this is kind of like basic math. If you got four cases today and and it's going to double, then you got eight cases next day. It's like, and then see how long is it before you got a pandemic in the country, right? This is what they didn't understand. So when this thing hit, we 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 had our cupboards were bare, right? For yeah. PPE, right? We'd been left with with no gloves, whatever, just not there. And we didn't know what we had. And this was so important. It's like we didn't know whether this looks like smallpox with what they call the R-naught of like seven, which means for every person who gets infected, seven more get infected, or whether it was more like the flu where it's like an R-naught of one, right? So so the lockdown was was a, a knee-jerk response to uh, in the fog of war to something we weren't sure were there. So you can't really honestly... Monday morning quarterback yeah. that. Was right? that, but, was but, that but, Fauci but, or Trump? But, that Fauci but hold or Trump? on, hold on. But, this is a federal. Uh, you're talking about, uh, you're asking about a federal question, but yeah. the lockdowns were state level. Well, Trump, no, no, Trump no. even actually came out later and said, you know, they shouldn't do this, but well, I can't control them. Well, it depends. Well, the yeah. stop the spread was a 15 yeah. day kind of thing where yes. they asked everybody. But here's the thing. I was, I was one of the first, and there's a New York Times article about this, who you know, I, I quickly realized, okay, so, so here's what's going to happen. You got two scenarios here. One is like you lock lock everybody down, and you get okay. So you you slow the the rate of infection, okay. But when you're doing that, some other things happen, right? Um, you have a tremendous hit on the economy, and that we had the biggest recessionary drop in our history yeah. in that. So that's a problem. But the other part of the problem is that people who are locked down can't go to hospitals to get kidney dialysis, uh, cancer treatments, breast biopsies, uh, colonoscopies. Uh, And by the way, if you lock people up like rats in a cage, uh, they're going to start taking more drugs, drinking more and eating more, and their health is going to deteriorate. So so that's something that the Fauciites never clearly understood their knee-jerk and so so there became as we began to realize that there became uh the idea where no 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 we've got to we've got to learn how to open this up and then like the best model here really ex ex post is the sweden model sweden just went for herd immunity they didn't mask their kids they, they 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 didn't shut down they just went for it and right now they're having relatively lower rates of infection than the rest of Europe because but but you I mean we didn't know yeah a lot of that at the time but, so but was it Trump Fauci or Pence making these decisions or was it a combination of them three 
Because a lot of people were bewildered why Fauci was still there for so long. <laughs> yeah, to let be me, honest with you. Let me, yeah. let, me, let me do this. Okay. This is me <laughs> talking to the president. This is me may or may not be telling the president to fire Fauci. <laughs> okay. On the cover of the yes. book. Yes. yes. Awesome. And I did tell the president yes. to fire Fauci twice. Yeah. And once wow. after my... My showdown in chapter two in the sit room over the China travel ban, which he was adamantly opposed to, and the president sent me to argue there on behalf. But to your point, Luke, here's the problem I had, and I, 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 always, I always felt like custard, like in the White House, right? So in this case, you had two forces in favor of Fauci. You had the big four at the healthcare agencies. It was Han at the FDA, you had Redfield at the CDC, you had um, Collins at the NIH, you had Azar. Secretary of Health and Human Services. They're all going like Fauci's the best thing since sliced bread. Got to keep them. Mm. Okay. That could have been overcome. But the other problem we had was the coward in the chief of staff office, acting chief of staff, Mick Mulvaney. And he and the press car were, no, 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 can't fire Fauci. Mm, too much blowback. And I'm going like Churchill about Hitler. It's like, no, 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 no. It's like you got to strangle that Fauci baby in the crib. Take the hit, rip the bandaid off, do it. But, you know, I clearly, I lost on that one. And, and, and Fauci, uh, you know, he's, he's, he's like in charge of everything now. But he was like demonstrably trying to take out President Trump with what I called his passive aggressive behavior. And he was, I was the only guy who fought him, Luke. Yep. You go back and look at the history. I almost got fired once for it. And, and the true story. And, and it's like, I was right every time I challenged him, whether whether it's on yeah. the traffic ban or... Uh, Especially in hindsight with him doing the, the studies that we're going to be talking about later in the in the bonus section yeah. uh, in an area where we could discuss this in a bigger deal. But, oh, yeah. But, the, but there's there's a lot of things that we could get into. Yeah. Uh, and uh, thank you for providing such insight into this because this is leaving a lot of people asking what, like, what, what was going on, what other, was happening here. One other thing that, that, I, that I emphasize in the In Trump Time book is that Pence never ever should have been in charge of that task force. Yeah. That was a stupid scientific and political decision because he was too close to the Oval Office, right? What you needed, and as I argue in the in the In Trump Time book, it's like you wanted somebody who was tough, smart, who could appeal to both sides of the aisle and would deliver this thing whiskey straight, no chaser. Because look, like it's the, the the Mel Gibson, one of the favorite Mel Gibson movies, like men will die. You know, people, are, Americans are going to die. Right. And, and there, there's going to be a lot of them or, or less dying, but people are going to die no matter what you do. So that's not a winning hand. Mm. So you, what you have to do is you have to get your best people in charge and, and keep politics out of it. And that's we did not do that. And, and, no. and it gave Fauci in particular an opportunity uh, to manipulate public opinion. I mean, every time his approval rating went up, the bosses went down. You know, there's something wrong with that. There's something wrong with that. He struck me as like um old guard general, like a World War One general that was still on staff when World War Two broke out. <laughs> and you immediately realize, like, you yeah. put him in charge and he makes a blunder and you realize he's not able, he's not qualified to lead anymore. you got to yeah. immediately remove him and put in a young new general. <laughs> and yeah. I'm yeah. still waiting for that to happen. So do you think it was the in, in, influence of all these four horsemen that you detailed that kept Fauci in there? Or do you think there was something else it, it was, that kept him in no, there? No, no, it, it was it was a combination. It was initially the four horsemen, literally, of the pandemic, right, in the healthcare bureaucracy. But as Fauci 
gained purchase in his perch there and and his approval rating was high. He had a, what we call a high Q rating in TV and things like that. That's where the Mulvaney second act came in, where Mulvaney was too too afraid uh, to to fire him, and the press people were like they were like they just like they were like frozen in fear with the idea of taking him on. It's like no 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 no. So that that you know that's that's I mean I hope I can provide you with the background. That's the fun yeah. part about. The in Trump time book. It literally is the definitive insider's account of what happened there. Cause I was there. I kept a journal. Um, I, I, most of the time I was a participant. Sometimes I was observer, but a lot of these stories people just don't understand as to, as to what happened and how it happened. And, and like, for example, Pence's chief of staff, Mark Short. I mean, one of the reasons why you do not want Mike Pence running the task force is his Chief of Staff Mark Short did not believe there was a pandemic. That he thought this was just kind of the flu. I mean, how can you get a task force moving in Trump time to deal with what this, what the crisis that we were facing? If the guy in charge, de facto, didn't believe there was a problem. And by the way, there's a funny story that's darkly funny in the in Trump time book about this guy Mark Short. I mean, early on, think about this. Think about this. Short decides to send Pence out on Air Force Two out to see the Seattle area where the pandemic just just was was developing. Like people are dying left and right in a nursing home and he thinks it's a good idea for Pence to go out there. Mm. Now you might be thinking, yeah, of course we sent our president or vice president out into hurricane zones or, or tragedies or whatever. But but you don't do that in a pandemic and here's why. It's like it's not just Pence going out there. It's it's all his staff it's all secret service agent, agents. It's the advanced staff. And guess what? Next day, where are they? They're back at the White House, right? And you have the, uh, the golden opportunity, thank you, Communist China, to wipe out effectively the, 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 the top level of government. It was insane. And that vice president's office had the highest rate of infection of any unit within the White House because of Mark Short and his stupidity. Who Mark Short made the decision to send the vice president into a pandemic hot zone? Yes. Wow. He's, he's the chief of staff. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, look, look, I look, let me say this. I, I I love Mike, okay? I had a great relationship with him. There's no there's no sour grapes bitterness here. One time there's a great story in the in Trump Time book about after I, I did a, a, a tilt with Jake Tapper one Sunday, right, which was particularly vitriolic as it always is with Tapper. I go in the Oval and we're all standing around and Mike does this, this like wonderful impression of me um, it, during the debate, like with my hand gestures and everything like that. It was hilarious. I had a really warm relationship with him. But when when Mark Short took over as chief of staff midway through the, the, the four years, it was like this iron curtain descended over Mike and you, you could no longer speak to him. Before that, I would brief him regularly. He was open to stuff. He always read the stuff he did. Mark Short comes along. He just walls the guy off and for all, for the wrong, all the wrong reasons. So that, that was all the more reason. There's a great, again, another story in the Untrimmed Time book about how I'm the guy as the Defense Production Act coordinator. I had like five warehouses surrounded with FBI agents and Bill Barr on my side to crack down on these SOBs who were price gouging. We were ready to raid them to send a strong signal to anybody who was going to take advantage of the pandemic that they were going to suffer severe consequences. 
Guess what? Mark Short and the Vice President's counsel, Greg Jacob, prevented us from doing that. Wow. Yeah, it, I was like, I, I was like, what are you guys doing? Why are you doing this? This is crazy. Bar, I go to bar, I go, Bill, it's like, why can't we do this? And he goes, well, it's the vice president's office. It's like, what, what can you do? And well, I called him. It's like, no, this was crazy. So, um, this guy, I, I'm, I'm into like, like homages and things like that. So like, there's a lot of that in there, but this was a Shakespearean tragedy. And there's a, a character in or, or, uh, Othello, uh, Iago, who for his own quote, peculiar ends betrays his principle, right? Mm-hmm. And this was what Mark Short did. Was Mark Short basically controlled Pence on the behalf of the Coke Network, which is which is the dark money network of conservative money that that loves certain aspects of the Trump agenda, which is deregulation and tax cuts, but loathes loathes secure borders and fair trade because that prevents them from offshoring. Yeah, it hurts this the was these, these were the guys in the midst: Mnuchin, Wall Street. Goldman Sachs screwing everything up. Mark Short, Coke Network, Larry Kudlow, Wall Street. These, it, it's very interesting. Now, the president, greatest president in modern history, to be clear, but a lot of what he did, he did it in spite of who worked for him rather than because of it. Yep. Let's go to Super Chats. Yes. If you haven't already, get your Super Chats in. We'll take your, your questions. Smash the like button. Become a member at TimCast.com because we're going to have that members segment coming up around 11 or so p.m. But let's see what all of you guys have to say. Uh, speaking to turkeys, we have this from the squid who says, turkey sucks anyway. Let's all have ham and all the rest of the normal foods. Turkey is bland and disgusting compared to anything else you can have. Maybe How dare you? I love turkey. Jeez. I love turkey too. You gotta make I, it moist. My, moist, dry turkey is a little, uh, look, you slice it and you make a sandwich. And it's delicious. You gotta make sure it's salted Granted, properly. Granted, I'm not eating any, I'm not eating any bread any, for the most part anymore. All the bread. Try, try the fryer, you know. So like yeah, it's, yeah, you, yeah. you cook it right, it tastes good. You cook it wrong, it's you like, know, bad. You know what I've learned? I've learned when people say stuff like broccoli sucks or spinach sucks <laughs> or turkey sucks, you're just cooking it wrong. Yep. Yeah. Exactly. It's that simple. Yeah. Yeah. Salt. There were, there were, there were wars. How many human beings died over making food taste good? East yeah. India Trading Company's like peppercorn. And they're like shooting. Yeah. What? My uh, my favorite expression from my three years in the Peace Corps was uh, "work hard, rice delicious." Yeah, mm-hmm. rice delicious is that what I'm well, meaning that if you if you have you know if you if you work work hard during the day that that what yeah good. your food will taste good. The, uh, Lex, Lex Freeman posted on Instagram <laughs> what we think people from the 14th century would be mind blown by, and it shows like iPhones, and then it's, what they'd really be mind blown by it shows yeah. a bunch of spices, spices on the yeah. shelf <laughs> at the grocery store. Yes. <laughs> All right, Jay says soy turkey is a no go. My mom has developed a soy and soy extract allergy severe enough for her throat to swell shut. Oh, no. Yikes, man. Oof. Keep your keep your mom safe and hydrated. Well, it's all Frankenstein. It's all GMO. Just so just get the real turkey. We got a twenty five pound turkey because we went to the farm and and they asked us, you know, like, what are you looking for? And I said, I want your biggest turkey. And they were like, We'll get you the biggest one. And I was like, Okay. And then we showed up and they were like, Second biggest. And I was like, You you I should. But it's it's huge. It's huge. <laughs> and after as they were handing it to us, I was like, I don't know if that will fit in the oven. It's not gonna fit. Come and they were like. That. Just take all the, the the racks out and just figure it out. And I'm like, oh, oh man. <laughs> but it's going to take like 12 hours to cook. And we are going to have one heck of a turkey, man. All right. all right. Kyle Miller says, Tim, how long until you get Trump on? You know, we've talked to people 
not Trump, but people, you know, in Trump's circle. And what we've basically been told is there's absolutely no way Trump would sit down for two and a half hours on a show like this. Long time. So it will never happen. No, it could happen. We go to Mar-a-Lago. That's not this show happening. That's us doing like a special sit down half an hour with Trump. Yeah, like an hour. There's no way we were, we were told this by multiple people that Trump would come here, sit down, hang out for a couple hours. And they were like, if you would get an interview, it'd be like what Barstool Sports did. I think like Dave Portnoy did that interview yeah, with him, right? Pretty sure. Yeah, you'd, you'd show up, you'd sit down. He'd eventually be like, okay, I think we're out of time. Have a nice day. Thanks for coming. It's been a blast. You and, get? you know, yeah. Well, I would like to point out if you want to be president for four years, then you can sit down for two hours and talk. I, Trump doesn't man. need He's a busy man. to come here and do that to be hey, president. Man, yeah. If you have patience, you have patience. But maybe one of our guests on the show will one day be president. Oh, I That's wouldn't true. doubt it. Got a lot of people maybe. who are political, a lot Great of politicians. People. And yeah. hey, you know, some of these people are pretty young, like late, late 20s. Maybe in 30 years, yeah. you know, we'll be like, wow, I can't believe that guy is on my yeah, show. Nice running for president. I, I also bet we could get Trump talking and, and continue talking. And, and I think it would go on a little bit longer than expected. And talk, I think it would yeah. be a lot of fun and it would be a very important conversation. So someone mentioned like uh, there was a way you, if you watch the media interviews Trump's done to get him going and not stop was to say he did something wrong or something like that yeah. and then have him just get into heavy details. <laughs> Perfect. And, yep. Perfect. Yeah. I, I don't know. Does that make you think I'm Trump- saying out of this. There's a reason why I survived five years yeah. as the president, yeah. Yeah. right? I, like I, I, would, I would love to have that conversation. I have, a, I have a lot of critical things I would like well, no, to address. No, no, no. Yeah, yeah, no, no. Yeah, yeah. See, the thing about Trump is that I'm pretty sure if you, Luke, were like, what's up with the deal with Saudi Arabia? He'd be like, listen to me. Listen, I'll tell you what happened with Saudi Arabia. And he'd just go off. Yeah, yeah. good. We want Great. that. We need that. We want to get a perspective that the mainstream media didn't ask him the mainstream media was going off on lunatic assertions that had had no basis in reality if there was some actual constructive criticism i think he would want to listen to it and want to have a conversation about it i think so personally I think you're right, yeah. yeah and about industrialization right. yeah cheeseburger yeah. says tim please can we just ignore the corporate media now uh colbert etc let's just do our own thing and ignore the evildoers um timcast is a corporation Timcast is a corporation, but corporate media is a reference to like conglomerates, CNN, not yeah. a small like you know thirty person company. We're we're not even as big as Daily Wire. True, but yeah. uh, you know the thing about Colbert is, what's happening is you have a lot of regular people waking up. They go to the store and a turkey which cost twenty bucks last year is fifty bucks this year, and they're like, whoa, fifty bucks if they can get one. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of a lot of areas where you get these high profile blue checks. They're tweeting out pictures like, look at all these turkeys. And then you've got middle America places where people have no turkeys and they're like, what do you, what, what is this? Like no one, the, the, the craziness about what the media is doing right now is they're constantly just Potemkin supermarketing, everything that's going on, Potemkin gas prices. Mm-hmm. They're saying, look how cheap it is here. Look at all the wonderful abundance here. And then regular people are sitting in their like, you know, empty living room with an empty fridge just being like, what is going on? So- but it keeps a lot of people in those areas under under wraps let's not forget the jimmy carter cardigan sweater moment this what was that to- i wasn't alive oh you don't know about this yeah okay, I, I was so, not living so <laughs> so <clears throat> let me take you back to the 70s um because my first job um was in the department of energy and my job was to figure out how to get us off foreign oil because we never imagined we could do what we did under president trump which has become energy independence. So what happened, Tim, back in those days to start the stagflation um, was uh, OPEC cartel basically through the Saudis did an embargo on the American people. And they, they had two separate oil embargoes. 
where the price of oil went from, you know, 30 bucks to 100 bucks overnight. There were large gas lines. I don't know if you, you've ever seen pictures yeah, of oh, that. Yeah. Large, yep. and, and, and at the same time, we were having food price shocks. So, so Carter, <laughs> Carter yeah, gets elected because of the misery associated with what was happening. And his solution is not to drill more oil or, or, or crack down on the Saudis or whatever. It was like, Wear more cardigan sweaters and freeze in your home. That's right. Right? Yeah. Oh. And so yeah. he gave this famous speech, right, where he's sitting and the lights are like dark and he's got like, who, he's like, look, the guy's like a former Navy nuclear guy. He's got no sense of like, look at this beautiful studio here. If he'd done it in this studio, he might have got away with it <laughs> and had like, like Christmas, like gears yeah, on yeah. his, on the, on the sweater. But no, it was like a really dark vision and people go, I don't want to live in that America. And so, I mean, here we go. It's like the tofu Thanksgiving. I don't yeah. want to live in that America. Yeah. So this could be Biden's cardigan sweating moment. You heard it, it here it first on the Tim Pool show. I would love to see Joe Three Biden. Three days before Thanksgiving. Joe Biden comes out tomorrow, the day before Thanksgiving, because news, you know, don't eat turkeys. People are complaining. He says, listen, tofurkey is delicious. Americans are strong. They don't need turkeys. Eat your soy, America. And then everyone's going to be like approval rating just drops to zero. <laughs> 5%. Although he might go up a little bit in Iowa, right? Oh, yeah. Where they make the soy? Yes. Yeah. They're going to be like, yeah, soy. <laughs> Woo. Tofurky stock. Is All like, right. Junior yeah. V says, I cannot wait to see how the mainstream media spins the Black Friday mob robberies of stores and innocent shoppers. Oh, yeah. Did you see what's happening in San Francisco yeah. with yeah. the people? Like 25 cars pull up, 80 people run into a, was it a Nordstrom or something? Yeah, Nordstrom. And then the, in, in, in Union Square at like a Louis Vuitton, yeah. they're raiding buildings <coughs> because they're getting away with it. It's close to home. My, uh, my CVS, uh, which is like right beside the building where I live in, in DC, just closed because of, uh, all the vandalism and, wow. uh, and the theft. Wow. At the thing, so it's like Best Best Buy's uh, taking yeah. a hit. Their stock took a yeah. major hit right. yeah. because of the mass robberies. Yeah, it's so uh, I, I'll tell you this. You know what I see happen? I just think the country's collapsing. There is that. We're in a fifty-fifty country right now, and um, the progressives have been in the ascendancy, and everything they're doing undermines us economically, socially, culturally, and boy, are people fed up with that in the flyover country and Main Street and. Um, Again, to Lydia's point, look, I've never never seen nothing like this. Like during the Vietnam War, okay, um, the kinds of demonstrations that happened in Washington was was massive. It's like stuff that happened now with BLM, whatever, around the White House. That was mild compared to what you saw. In DC, but, but it was. In terms of size or violence? In terms of size, but, but that's it. Mm. The violence Mm -hmm. back in the 60s, there were huge crowds, but there there was not the kind of violence that you're seeing. So you have that, that kind of difference. And then, um, you got the 70s stagflation. We're going to really experience that again. You know, the 80s was relatively prosperous. The 90s were, uh, the some of the bet yeah that was like the boom of the decade you know it's like so this is like we're 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 way outside in pandemic remember the last pandemic we had was 1918 yeah with the flu and this one look one of the things i, I, I get one of the things um in the in trump time book is was my quest 
uh, to write an executive order which would have gotten to the bottom of, of how the virus came came to America, right? And we've done presidential commissions for Pearl Harbor, the Kennedy assassination, the BP oil spill. I just want to say that as the guy who is like at the center of this, if I had been able to get the original genome of the virus from communist China at the time, we could have uh, got a vaccine um, that would have been more sophisticated and quicker than we did. So it's not insignificant that we, we, we weren't able to do that. So we, we, I don't think we get to the end of the pandemic until we understand the beginning of it. And I think that's a fair question uh, that everybody should have on their mind. All right, we're going to read this one from Red Rumax. He says, UK is advertising crickets and cheeseburgers on public transport. I saw a huge poster on the tube today. Could not believe my eyes. Now, I will say um, we we cooked a cricket bread. Remember, Ian? Yes. And it was not good. No. Cricket bread? Not the best. It was cricket flour, crickets ground up into powder. It has to be croissant, boys. Yeah, we should have made a cricket croissant. croissant. They know nothing here. So I will say everybody knows that. (laughs) Cricket flour is basically just milled cricket, (laughs) and it it doesn't have anything (laughs) in it. It doesn't have anything in it that functions like bread. Does it have as much protein as tofurkey? Probably more. The problem is it's got an astringent flavor to it. So if yeah. we've done right, I would say it was not good. It was food. And I will tell you this. Um, if, if like I went in the kitchen and there was nothing and there was cricket bread, I'd eat it and I would not be upset. Yeah, we made it in a, in a bread maker. But if, for sure, if you made like a bake, a no-bake bread, like uh, with some sugar, some salt, you know, you can make it taste really, it, it, really is good. Is there yeah. the underlying question of why? <laughs> why do we do it? Yeah. Well, so when the cicadas yeah. came, it's meat, like, should I go to the moon or make cricket bread? Yeah. Well, yeah. they're <laughs> advertising eating cricket. They're telling everybody to eat I bugs. See. Yeah, who's, who's doing that? Uh, in the UK, they got advertising. Oh, the UK. The media was saying all last year, yeah. eat cicadas, and I'm like, yeah. please, please don't eat bugs. There was a restaurant. There was a restaurant in Leesburg, Virginia, yeah. that was that was picking cicadas yeah. off the wall, off their in their backyard, and, and serving yes. it to people. Yes. And the health department said you can't take bugs off the ground and, and sell it to people. That, and they were they were and CNN was like, yeah. oh, look at all the people eating cicadas. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's a, you combine the proteins in Guinness Stout and the crickets, and somehow in England it tastes better. That's well, do you know? Do you know that's the, what you were missing. Yeah, you know the story. Or preferably, you drink like six bottles of Guinness Stout before the you eat the crickets, and then <laughs> you know, do you know the story? And then it'll taste good. You know the story drink about hard Guinness? crickets delicious. Yeah. <laughs> do you guys know the story about how uh, about Guinness? Yeah, and and there. I so do. I read oh, yeah. this in one of those trivia books, and it ve- it, ve- it may not be true, but uh, there's this book, and it said like you know the story of Guinness. It, they they used to have the big vats where they make the whatever you call them where they make the booze right yeah. make the beer, and when sanitation became a thing around the industrial revolution they cleaned everything out. When they started brewing the beer again, people noticed it didn't taste as good. Something was missing, and so they didn't understand what was missing. So they you know checked and they were like everything's the same. But what they didn't realize, and again this may not be true. I just read it in a book. <laughs> I'm, I'm saying it's very careful because I don't want to get sued. Uh, uh, what happened was rats would climb into the oh, vats to drink it and then drown delicious. and die and sink to the bottom delicious. and then decay. Oh, so they replaced it with fish oil and they, it brought the flavor back or whatever. Okay. I don't, I don't know if that's true again. <laughs> I just, so I read it in a weird book. You, you are a lovely shade of green for the holidays. <laughs> oh, gross. Thank yeah. you. Yeah. <laughs> Who needs a Christmas tree when you've got oh, Lydia? Strong. Yeah, right. Thank you. Thank you for that. Here we go. Joshua says, Tim, don't worry about the turkey shortage. You can still buy a rotisserie chicken at Costco for four ninety nine. That's right. I mean, hey, 
How about instead of a turkey, everybody gets a rotisserie chicken? Why is it? But it's half the size it was last year. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Right, they're getting smaller. Well, we 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 got our own chickens, but we're not going to eat them. That's right. We got about fifteen chickens now. Those five dollar chickens are probably modified and injected. I don't don't think they're the same DNA. They laying hens. You have is that what you? We we have ten ten laying hens. Well, we have I think seven laying hens, and then we have three pullets. They're they're actually they may be yeah they're pullets. They're not quite adult yet. And then we've got uh, uh, one rooster and then uh, three, no, four other cockerels. Did they wake you up in the morning? They wake you uh, up. The rooster does, yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> Although I'm starting to sleep through it. I talked to my mom last night. I got these chokers for the roosters where you put them around their neck and then they go, uh, 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 so they don't really oh. scream very much. She was like, that's so cruel. Yeah, you and can't, it, we can't do it. It reinforced, I don't want to, yeah, I'd rather yeah. just tough it out. I read too many horror stories. Yeah. Where like what happens? They have heart attacks. The, yeah. the roosters will try and like ah, they'll freak out. I'm gonna let the rooster do his thing. We'll move him to the farm eventually. I think is the plan. So yeah, yeah. we're we're gonna be moving uh, the black stars and Dorothy to uh, the new place, so they can have their own little you know chicken chicken life chicken, chicken heaven. But we got the most luxurious chicken coop. It's, it's chicken city. It's really it's is. massive. That these chickens free are free range. One percent yeah. of chickens, man. Yeah. Protected. They got this hanging water thing. They got their food. Yeah, there. Chicken races out there or anything? What was that? Chicken no, races? no, but we're, yeah. we're actually in the process of setting up Chicken City live show. So we're going to have cameras <laughs> all over. You got to see, it's, it's, it's massive. It's massive. It's underneath this <laughs> like house and, uh, uh, it's, it's yeah. really huge. So we're going to put cameras everywhere yeah. and they're all going to live stream and the cameras will rotate periodically and then people will be able to go to the live stream 24 seven to watch the chickens do their chicken thing. So I got an idea for you. Okay. okay. So like, like, Elevate the chickens up, and then have a uh, a pond beneath it, right? And you can do the aquaponics oh. with fish. You think so? Well, you well that's work? how they do it. Yeah, yeah it's, it's rough like, though. Really? Mosquitoes in the summer. Uh, so you got to add summer. a bunch of stuff because like like the droppings from the chicken. Yeah, like yeah, a fertilizer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. aquaponics. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Well, chickens sure do poop. That's one thing <laughs> that's we know for true. sure. Yeah. Yeah. They are they are poopy birds. All right. Raymond G. Stanley Jr. says, Peter, sir, if we get that second term you're predicting, can we save our military? It's, uh, uh, it's, uh, is crap too far ingrained to still have a strong force, uh, versus China? Now, crap stands for critical race applied principles. I see. So yeah. we're seeing all that wokeness in the military. <clears throat> so, um, let me, let me reflect on, uh, one of my, uh, experience from the in Trump time book within the context of Mad Dog Mattis. Mm. Okay. This was, this was, um, Remember the old saying in Reagan, like personnel is policy, right? Meaning that who you hire is like what, what your outcome is in, in the White House and stuff like that. So, so Mattis, Mattis gets in there is, 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 is a four star general. He's adamantly opposed, uh, to all of the trade policies we want to do. He's adamantly opposed to taking on China. He wants to be an accommodationist. And, and he, uh, spends all of his time disobeying the chain of command like no matter what president trump the commander-in-chief would tell this guy he would not follow those orders now think about that this guy's a four-star general if anybody should understand the importance of chain of command it should be general mattis now why do i say this in answer to your question it's like this is the problem we have in the military it's not unlike the other bureaucracies where there's a culture that's been adopted where the Pentagon seems to be independent of the leadership. And from, I'm really surprised that this critical race theory has, has been able 
to metastasize so quickly in the Pentagon because it must have been going on during the Trump administration. We just didn't see it happening. So that's that has to be on our watch. But um, what the Pentagon needs to be focused on is one thing, military readiness. That's it. Military well, readiness. I mean, don't you think it's very important for the military to also be ready to, you know, uh, talk about each other's feelings? <laughs> feelings. <laughs> well, you know, what if, what if there's a soldier? Oh, look, you got a guy in basic training. Feelings. But, 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 but look, there's a guy in basic, right? You know, he's 18. He's enlisted. He's crawling through the mud. <laughs> yeah. And then yeah. he's crying. Yeah. And, and shouldn't, yeah. should the drill sergeant and Get everyone. Up, soldier. Uh, okay. No, sn- snuggle, snuggle puddle. Snuggle puddle. Cuddle puddle. I heard, no. you know, he's crying. Everyone's got a hug. And then they can go and watch, yeah. you know, cartoons. I heard safe spaces Gosh. are bulletproof, right? Oh. No, I, I'm, okay. look, I'm deeply concerned about uh, the, the military. We were we were able to significantly increase the military budget and kind of get it back towards the trajectory it needed to be. Uh, but we're woefully unprepared for what is likely to be our leading military threat, which mm-hmm. is China. I mean, you're seeing the whole doctrine of of peace through strength, Reagan, Trump, right? I mean, think about this. We come in and Trump, Trump, everybody understands he's a tough SOB, right? So what happens immediately? North Korea missiles, they stop flying those things, right? Iran kind of backs off from all the crap it's doing. We're able to put tariffs on China without it going, going berserk, right? But as soon as Trump's gone, it's like, like, what is China doing? Yeah. Are we watching? It's like they're, 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 they're they're throwing uh, air aircraft across Taiwanese space. They're yep. they're threatening they, they went everybody. Up to Alaska and Hawaii. Yeah, it, they're getting in our faces. Yeah, they're getting right in our faces. They're calling. By the way, the the summit that just happened. I don't know if you watched that, but that that term like when she Jinping called Joe Biden his quote old, old friend. Oh, that was good. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> oh man, that is some kind of insult in yeah. China, baby. Boy. No, no, it was because uh, I think Saki was asked. Yeah. Uh, Peter Deuce, he said something like, you know, Biden and his old friend Xi. And then they were like, I assure you, Biden is not friends. Oh. And so Xi Jinping was then like, my old friend, <laughs> Joe Biden. as like, a, you know. That's an yeah. insult. Yeah, for sure. Murphy tries DIY, says, Tim wouldn't answer a call from the Situation Room because he would think it's a call for extending his car's warranty. Mm-hmm. Actually, that's incorrect. I don't answer calls to extend my car warranty out of fear it may actually be the Situation Room. <laughs> the other way around. Well, hey, by the way, Tim, if you didn't answer that phone, we'd come find you. That's great. Okay. No, I, that's yeah. fine by me. <laughs> Look, <laughs> my phone and if the rings. Trump administration was looking for you, it wouldn't be bad news. Okay. Yeah, yeah. If the Biden administration comes <laughs> to calling, that's Look that's out. a totally different. Uh, what, my yeah, phone different. rings. I don't care what it says. I don't answer it. Yeah, you yeah, know, same. because I don't do that anymore. You know, by the way, on, on a personal note, just just so you understand, it's like how how Washington works. It's like right now. I'm uh, I'm under attack by this subcommittee that Claiborne runs. Uh, they're trying to get me to to testify. They're oh, did you to... get subpoenaed? Yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, they, yeah. But there's a good story here because um, uh, it's like um, they they send me they keep sending me these emails. As they say, and I get, I get an email a couple of days ago, and they say, "Look, uh, here's your subpoena. Uh, if you tell us that you got it, uh, then we'll consider it served." I say, "Yeah, sure, right." I got it, right? So what happens the very next day, right, at 10 in the morning, um, and I'll actually show you the, the, the video of it because I took an iPhone of it. Sure enough, a sheriff 
shows up yeah. with a subpoena, come knocking on your these people all they're trying to do like intimidate you. And like that woman in Colorado who who they're branding a domestic terrorist and the FBI sends like the six agents to and, and like tears her apartment up or house up to find what whatever it is they're that's not there that they're looking for. I mean, this is the, well, this is, this is a big concern. This is part of the problem I'm seeing. It's like, um, the Department of Justice under Merrick Garland has become essentially a jackboot. And the FBI, as an extension of that, I'm sure that most of the agents in there do, do not want to do that. But I would love to see some more resistance within the FBI. And I'm calling on that right now to, to kind of like, hey, slow down a little bit because you know mothers who are worried about their kids shouldn't be searched have face search warrants but anyway that was an interesting story it's a it's a bummer because you know i grew up with the x-files fbi and they were cool. yeah they were cool Cool. even even like outside of you know Mulder and scully when they had the actual fbi there's like there's like, hey, we're tracking down a murderer. Yeah. And we're gonna we're gonna help protect people. But now it's like it's so. Political. Well, see, I grew up with the J. Edgar. I <laughs> know, oh, no, no, I know that stuff too. Yeah. So I know how it can go bad. But you know, it's like it seemed like things were were going pretty good. Yeah. But this whole you know this whole Russia Gate thing, uh, it's been broken wide open now. It's shown to be a hoax. Bull Dorms like indicting people and things like that. But that yeah. went on like for four years, for four years. The five. It was before the before the Trump administration even started. Yes, and, and, and it was still yeah. going on up until Durham started making these moves. Now Rachel Maddow's mm. finally forced to be like, "Oh, I was, you know, lying the whole time." Well, she was just really dumb. I'll put it that way. <laughs> <laughs> we yeah. it, it's it's strange how you know when when the, when initial reports were coming out, like my my content was all like, "Hey, you know, we'll look at it and we'll see what what they say." And you know, I don't know enough about what's going on to make a judgment, but we'll see what the investigation reveals. And then once it came out, like there was no collusion, it was all a hoax. I was like, okay, we're done with this, right? No, no they didn't let it they, go. They keep, no. they keep, they keep doubling going. down, tripling down on. It. I mean, there's a. I was just watching uh, Comey rule on Netflix, right? And it, it, the whole thing is misinformation and disinformation yeah. because it sincerely kind of presents the story as if the Steele dossier were were true right and you go through the whole thing and 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 if you look at it's like the the prologue but to the in trump time book i call the rashomon election i don't know if you guys uh or lydia you ever seen rashomon okay Mm -hmm. so this is a cool movie let me let me let me pimp a movie here for a minute (laughs) right the the greatest director in in japan's history is uh akira kurosawa right he did he was the guy who did the original seven samurai right which which they made a, a Western version of it, things like that. But he did a movie called Rashomon, and it was basically a violent crime seen through the eyes of multiple individuals, right? And and every person who saw it had a different version of what what the events are like. And I feel like that's we're in this this Rashomon world right now um, with the FBI and and CNN and this that and the other thing. And I it's like. Here's the thing. Let me just say this. Four years in the White House, I saw so many stories that were quoted anonymous sources that were just flat out wrong, just flat out wrong. And I I kept thinking to myself, if I know they're wrong because I'm inside, what about the people who are reading this who aren't inside? That's right. Right. And and I got this rule at Woodward uh, in the In Trump Time book. I take him down. Okay, because. Um, there's a story about me in the Situation Room 
and I report how the events happen, Woodward reports the same events with a totally different spin, right, based on two anonymous sources. And my rule with people like Woodward are two anonymous sources do not equal a fact. Right. And that's the way journalism has gone to. And, and Well, here, here, here's how they do it. They'll say uh, a source close to Nancy Pelosi's office reveals that she's planning to impeach, you know, Joe Biden or something. Yeah. And then it turns out the person close to her office is a homeless guy sleeping out back behind her office. <laughs> well, well, hold on. They're telling the truth. He yeah. is close to her correct. office. Which, and he's out in the back going like, yeah. werewolves are taking over the White House and Nancy <laughs> Pelosi will impeach Biden. You wait and see. And they're like, write it down and publish. Would you be surprised to know that that a number of reporters knew that I was going to be subpoenaed before I did? Not surprised. Of course not. Now, think about that. Yeah. Think about that. Think about that. Who? How did they find out? Well, come on. People oh, are leaking. Yeah. They leak it. Yeah, all the classified information. Yeah. Don't let's, tell let's, the agencies work with yeah, the mainstream media. I, like, I want to read a couple more Super Chats before we go to the sure. member segment. But uh, yeah. cause I noticed a lot of people are saying, spatchcock the turkey. Yes, I hear good things. What? What, what? what, what is that? that? You, okay, so spatchcocking is where you cut it open and you butterfly it, you lay it flat, and it helps oh. it cook more evenly. Uh, and that it's supposed to be super good. I like I like, I like traditional 12-hour bake. Yeah, That's but you're going to have to put it at a diagonal in the oven. Yeah. Well, people are saying smoke it. They're saying spatchcock and then and put it in smoker. Sounds amazing. I'll, t- I'll tell you this: um, the best brisket I've ever had in Texas. When we were in yeah. Texas, yeah. literally out of the seven days we were there, <laughs> I had one day where I didn't eat brisket. My gut is wings. still recovering. We had a little bit of brisket today. I was like prepared to be disappointed. It was chain food brisket. Yeah. It was not good. Mm. All right, so uh, we'll do one more here. This is important. Catherine McGrath says, "Did Jimmy Carter really get attacked by a giant rabbit?" <laughs> Uh, I have no friggin' idea. (laughs) All right, all right, all right. So uh, here's what we're going to do. We're going to go to the member segment where we're going to talk about the deep, dark secrets. So make sure you go to TimCast.com, become a member. You can, uh, don't forget to smash the like button, subscribe to this channel. You can follow us basically everywhere at TimCastIRL. Follow us on Instagram. You can like our videos and help (laughs) us spread. You can follow me personally at TimCast. And of course, I think you've got something to share. Navarro Unchained. Okay, let's rock. Oh, but you got a book. I yeah. think you mentioned. Uh, I think I have the in Trump time book here. Yes, <laughs> I like that photo much, much. By more the now. way, a yeah. little breaking news for you. Tomorrow morning, um, press release is going out where I'm actually recommending another book um, to buy uh, at, at the holidays in conjunction with this. It's called "The Real Anthony Fauci" by Bobby Kennedy Jr. Oh. And this is my account of, of Fauci during the year of the plague. And Kennedy comes at it from the, the previous decades where Fauci was there. And um, I think that uh, as a gift for the holidays, uh, by the time you get to the end of those two books, you will have a very different view of Fauci if you still think he's yeah. Santa oh, Claus. No, I, I, think oh, yeah. I know where you guys are coming from. <laughs> I heard, I heard yeah. great things about that Bobby Kennedy book. I'm excited to read your book. Thank you so much for coming on. I got a million other questions I want to ask you, uh, but I'll save it for another time. Are you a Bernie yeah. bro? No. <laughs> that hurt my feelings. <laughs> I'm hurt. That hurt. He, did like, you notice <laughs> like when I said that, that for the rest of the show, he didn't speak to me at all? <laughs> 
I had some questions. I, I, I got a lot more, well, you know. But in fact, <laughs> in fact, the 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 the, the eyelids of the Jazane t shirt, the 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 mask there came off briefly when I said that. It was yeah, probably, yeah, it was shocking. Her eyes popped up. It, it was it was surprising, but we got a lot yeah. more to get into. I'm yeah, excited yeah, to yeah. talk. But let me let me let me pimp your t shirts too to make up to it. No but worries, no, no. Get no, this t shirt. <laughs> Go to wherever Wait. you're supposed to. Well, well, thank you. I appreciate that. Uh, I do other videos on, on, of course, a different YouTube channel, but I have more private, intimate, crazy discussions on LukeUncensored.com. I released an important video today. I'm going to be releasing another one tomorrow about how to talk to your loved ones in a pragmatic way, especially when you're going to be meeting with them, sitting down with them. Luckily, if 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 you are very uh, blessed to have a turkey, you will be eating one, and it's an important opportunity to raise important issues. I'm going to be talking about that all on LukeUncensored.com. Hope to see some of you guys there. It's great to meet you, man. This is thanks for coming oh, and this is awesome. releasing like the it. info. Yeah. This is deep stuff. I'm looking forward to going deeper. Uh, I'm Ian Cross. Break a little news too. Yeah, let's get real. And you can follow me at iancrossland.net if you want to get in touch with all my socials. Thanks for coming. And I just wanted to say before I go that the Rashomon effect is where the two people are looking at a six slash a nine and they can't figure out which is which. So there's actually an effect named. I th- I think it's inspired by this movie that came out in 1950. Thank you very much for coming, Peter. And a wonderful yeah, time. I'm loving this wisdom yeah. from these older generations. You guys may follow me on Twitter at Sarah Patch Lids. We will see you all at TimCast.com in the members only segment. Thanks for hanging out. Bye, guys.